We got our guest today is Brett Beach of Total Team Roping. Yeah. A actually a good friend of yours and mine. Yeah. It was uh very coincidental that we both already knew him before we decided to have him on as a guest. And what a great guest, you know. Yeah. Yeah, was. it was really fun to do in both of us knowing him independent from each other. Yeah. Being kind of cool to you know him as, you know. The Joker in the exactly yeah <laughs> in the barbershop or the yeah. salon and and I know him from going and taking some roping lessons from him and stuff like that yeah and it's funny and the listeners will hear throughout this podcast too it's funny how like how Brett can be he can be the funny Joker guy which I have known him and it, it's he is so funny but then can switch into coach mode and be serious and get the best performance out of the people he's coaching. So. Yeah. You know, to, to hear the coaching end from a guy who has the accomplishments of, you know, making the NFR three times and, yeah. you know, and one of only like the impressive part is one of only six in the history of the NFR to make it both heading and healing. Yeah. I mean, it is impressive. And we know, you see it in in all sports that there's there's people that are they're great at their sport and they're not great at coaching and then there's some people that they might have been mediocre at the sport because they they had to put in so much effort they learned it really well so they're a great coach but their performance wasn't necessarily world class but Brett's a guy who competed at a world class level made the NFR like you said both ends heading and healing and is one of the best people I've seen in any sport at how to translate specifics to get better to anyone, whether you're a, an absolute beginner or a high level pro, he can give you a tip to get better. Yeah. To see that it takes quite a bit, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one thing to, to coach at, you know, a local level or whatever on, on stuff, but to see things when it's at full speed and be able to really help somebody, like it takes a lot of time and a lot of practice and a lot of doing it to be able to see things at that fast speed and adjust it. I'm like, it, it, to, for him to compete at the level that he has, and he's humble about it. He's like, well, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm like, you don't get to be the header for Clay O'Brien Cooper, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you were okay, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and he's humble about that. But, you know, like reality is the guy was darn good at what he does. Yeah. But then to have that ability to see it and then be able to, to help people get there, like, He's Im impressive as far as coaching and stuff. Yep. Yeah, very much so. And one thing I like liked most about what he talked about was he had to work a lot of it out himself just because of the era that he came up in. There obviously wasn't YouTube and, and things so readily available. Yeah. He So he saw the, the hole in the market there He and he wanted to give back to the sport in that way and make everyone better. And you can see how much it's got better just even at a local level like for, because of opportunities like brett's website totalteamroping.com where you can go and just be training all the time yeah uh, you know checking in with the best guys in the world and you know and that's a that's a like a really a forward thinking kind of person too yeah, right exactly to, to be at the at the you know beginning of the internet and and all of that like, he was one of the first to bring that to mm -hmm. to you know coaching and stuff out of the VHS, you know, by a videotape. Yeah. But, you know, to bring it to the internet and really do it to masses and then, you know, pre provide a venue for other ropers to be able to, you know, teach, you know, from that too. That's really kind of cool. I, that's some of the things that we like to see is somebody who, you know, is not just what we see common in this is somebody who goes and conquers and is an innovator 
in the way of competition and competing themselves, but then it, it resonates in the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, That's you it. start to see that elsewhere too. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not just in one spot. Yeah, exactly. No, it was, uh, I got a lot out of talking to Brett in that, in that respect. And, and one thing I can relate and you can relate, I'm sure both from doing our own coaching is how much energy coaching takes. And Brett's a guy that is flying across the country and traveling all the time to, to every corner of the, of the nation, coaching people of all levels. So he has to be able to switch from coaching elite pros to complete beginners and, and always traveling and, and working out the best ways that he can do that. And that is, if you've never coached, you may not realize how, how tough that is, but that is, that it's one of the hardest things. It really is. Like it, I mean, it, it takes, it takes a ton of dedication and it's, Mm. it's a bit of a selfless dedication, especially from somebody who, who, you know, well, I know like for, not to toot, but you know, like for you, for mm. me, to, to I recognize this and you recognize this, mm. being that you've competed at an elite level, mm. I've competed at an elite level of of uh, horses, you mm. and the UFC. But to see him, who's competed at a high level like that, to step out of that mm. and not do it for. <laughs> Because we know, like from competing in that, like there's a whole lot of rewards in it, and people yeah. are that nobody went after I won stuff and went, hey, you know, you're who's your coach? He kicked butt. Yeah. No, they all did it. Like, hey, Todd, great, you know. So you get that kind of accolades from it to step back and not get that, yeah, and put that much effort and work into it, yeah, to see somebody else succeed. I mean, there's there's some definitely some gratification in that, and oh, it's really yeah. like a great thing. Like, I really really enjoy that. But at the same time, it's not the same. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. It was really a a cool interview. Mm -hmm. And to hear somebody take it from doing it themselves, finding their own way in it and and figuring that out for themselves. And then to turn around, hit that level and then go and feed other people. Yeah. Give it back. That's yeah. It's such a huge thing. We've seen it with some of our guests so far and and I'm all about it. But once you achieve, achieve an elite level in something, if you can then give it back. That's the, I, in my opinion, it's one of the most selfless things you can do. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. So yeah, enjoy guys. Brett Beach yep. coming at you. Yep. Here we go. Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. The meeting place of industry leaders, elite athletes, and game-changing individuals from around the world. Here we explore the grit, guts, and mental fortitude required to succeed in business, competition, and life that you've been looking for. So stop looking and start listening. It's Go Time with Brendan O'Reilly and Todd Martin. We got Brett Beach, and um, we're just gonna sit down and have a conversation. I and where we just were kind of started the video or started the audio on um, is like where. So what brought you? You grew up in in Arizona, um, and what brought you to Bernie, Texas? Well, I grew up in Arizona, and then I got married. Well, the first place I moved is the one place I said I'd never live. So I really? never say never. I wound up in Las Vegas. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, always, I hated that place. And I said, you know what? If I ever move anywhere, this I would never move to Vegas. Well, the first time I move, that's where I'm at. It's the first place <laughs> yeah. And so both of my kids was born there. And it was just not somewhere that I really wanted to raise a family. Why? Why? Well, then why did you move to 
things. Well, what I was doing is I was, you know, just got married. We're young and trying to sort our way through life, which direction we want to go. And, and I didn't want to rodeo and be away from my family. I just, that wasn't me. Yeah. I had to, I just couldn't do that. And so there was a gentleman up there named Wes Adams. His kid wound up being a world's champion, Rannon Adams. And he made me a deal where he put me, helped me in the construction business. And when then in return, I would help him and his family with their roping. Mm -hmm. And that's how I wound up in Vegas. But both of my kids was born there. And when they got to be three and four years old, I mean, they're getting ready to start school. And I just knew this is not the place for, mm. for my kids. You know, I didn't want to raise them. There. So yeah. I was, I'd been coming down here periodically and helping uh, George straight with his roping, him and his kid. I was coming down once every, you know, month or two and spending time and got to really like the area, love the hill country and the people. And so that time we moved, we actually moved somewhere where we actually wanted to be. And so we're still here. We've been here 25 years now. 25 years. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's amazing how fast a quarter century goes by. It goes by back. really fast. Yeah. I was telling somebody, I was trying to count up the, the, I think I've been here 15 years myself. Yeah. I can't believe I've been here 15 years. Fun flies. Yeah. I'm having fun. Yeah, it's amazing. I got here in 95 and it's 21 right now. So, wow, man. Yeah. So, were you always it's amazing for 35 years old? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Move here to 10. <laughs> Don't look a day over 80. <laughs> Have you always been into coaching? Like you said, you're in Vegas sort of doing teaching and then you end up here. Yeah, coaching. you know. Not not to the degree that I am now. Yeah. I mean, I was always, you know, roped a lot and was, you know, fairly successful. And mm -hmm. so I did a lot of schools and taught a lot. It was just something at the time you used to kind of supplement your income. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're still doing it professionally and traveling. And whenever you're doing that, you really don't like to coach a whole lot. Yeah. You like to put all your attention on yourself and not other people. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference there. Yeah. That's a hard one to do. Oh, it's really hard. Like I can't, <laughs> you know, probably in the last couple of years, my roping has been terrible. Mm -hmm. just because I'll go and like I do, you know, 60 to 70 roping schools a year. And wow. so when I'm gone, like I'll go on a two week run and maybe do somewhere between 10 and 15 schools. When I get home, I'm really not excited about practice. <laughs> yes. You know, I don't want to, I've been working on everybody else. I want to golf. I want to do anything, but you know, basically go rope. Well, you know, over the course of time, you're not roping as good. So yeah. I've had to make the decision here recently that, you know, I got to get back to roping good. And I went to skipping my golf games and went ahead and practiced a little bit. So hopefully it gets better again. <laughs> so when did you, when did you make the transition from um, being your game as much as coaching? Like trying to be. Well, I tell you what it happened. It's kind of weird because in 2008, all I did was sell. When I raised my kids, all we did was hunt and fish and played every sport. That was it. And I kind of got away from roping and all I did was sell real estate. Well, in 08, when everything crashed, you're sitting there like, I mean, I did, you know, it was fairly successful. You know, sold a lot, a lot of really big places and, mm -hmm. and things was going good until everything cratered in 08. Mm -hmm. And I went and didn't show a ranch for two years. Really? I mean, people just shut down. If you, I mean, it was, you know major tragedy back at that time yeah. and so so i'd run into a gentleman and i'd always i'd had i had this idea of the total team roping of uh online training and but as you and i spoke about technology and, and i just don't fit real well together so i didn't really know how to go about all that this gentleman um said yeah he says i i can do all that so we started together and that's how i got into the total team roping and i put a group together from that point on you know when i looked at it i had to sit back and go okay I've got to get a lot better at this. 
you know, there's a lot of stuff I'm missing here. And so when I started really looking at it, analyzing it and looking what made certain things work, that's when it kind of started changing from my ability to coach and help everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, when you're doing it, when you're traveling, you do it professionally, you don't put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. You, you put a lot of thought into what you're doing, but you don't put a lot of thought into what other people are doing. Yeah. And so it, it got, you know, when I really decided, Hey, I'm, I want to be good at this. And I started looking at a lot of things that I'd never seen. I never heard anybody say anything about it, but you know, the little things make, make big differences. Mm-hmm. Anybody can see the big things that somebody's doing wrong. Mm-hmm. That's easy. That jumps out at you, bam, like slapping you in the face. But a lot of times there's little things they do, you know, that, that people don't see that gets in their way. And so I've learned to go in and do that and, and basically learn how to, to coach individuals. You know, I was probably guilty as like a lot of people are. And I go to a bigger school, we'll get in there and say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to change you, 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 you know? And so I learned that, you know, a lot of people do several things right. And so instead of trying to go in there and retool their swing, Mm -hmm. make minor adjustments. If they had something, I would start working with what they had and just start making small adjustments. So it wasn't just tearing it apart, you know, because then they, they couldn't accept that, you know, it's hard for people to change that drastically. And so when I started making the smaller changes, and letting it build and see where that took them to, then you get to a certain point. And you say, okay, well, no, here's what we got to do. Yeah. But I learned not to try to make, you know, just re- reinvent the wheel. Yeah. So did you, I, I so um, for me on that, so I've kind of like, in, I kind of went through a little bit of that same transition, right? From being in the show pen all the time for myself. And now like, I got a lot of, I got several kids that I'm coaching mm-hmm. and some other non-pros and stuff. And, and more so than I have in the past. And, um, and, and, and now I'm getting some young kids that are doing barrel racing and stuff like that. And they're being sent over going, you know, they've been sold a nice horse. They've been doing a little bit of barrel racing. They send their kids out and like, well, now they got a faster, better horse. And then now they're, you know, they're having trouble on the transition. Can they come out and take a couple of lessons? And something that I say to them, because it's different than necessarily going to do a clinic, right? Mm-hmm. They're coming and they're wanting to get help. And, and I, you know, I don't want to just do one lesson because mm-hmm. I can't get anything done in one lesson. I even might give you a miracle fix, sure. you know, for one. Yeah, there's no right? such thing. But what I've told a lot of the kids when they come out is that, you know, and I tell their parents too, because they can tell the kids, but the parents have got to understand it. But I, what I tell them is like the same thing as a kid that was really, really good at, at pitching in high school in baseball. Right. And, and you had a good coach, but he was just a high school, sure. you know, he was also the, you know, track coach. Yeah. He was also a football history coach. teacher, yeah, history teacher, <laughs> and, you know, and whatever. And then he helped to show your pigs and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so that was your coach, but you had natural ability, but he lets you have a trashy sidearm swing sure. or his throat, right. Yeah. That you have enough speed on the ball that you're going to get picked up by college. The smaller colleges will come in and let you pitch to wherever you want to because you're going to do fine. You're going to raise their their deal. But in order to go to a larger college, they're going to bench you for a year or two mm-hmm. until they at least a year till they revamp your throw. Mm-hmm. You have the natural ability, but if you're not willing to do that, you'll never make the pros. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you're going to stand in. I can do a little bit here and there and I might be able to cover it. But where it becomes like a bigger you want to go to the next level on it, then you're going to redo it. And, and or you know, I can get you a little bit by, I'll give you a couple mm-hmm. little secrets or whatever else we can go on. And, you know, and I already tell a lot of them is like, man, the barrel racing industry is full of, you know, 45 year old, 50 year old ladies going, I'm really 
I could do it really good way back, you know, when, and now I just, I can't get to the next spot. And it's like, yeah, well, like, I'm telling you, you got to learn how to ride sure. better, you know, if you're going to step to the next spot. And that's what I tell their, them, those, those parents, it's like, yeah, but you're going to commit to a longer deal. You, you put the effort into it. I'll put it into it too. Sure. But if it's not like it, if not, you, there's plenty of other girls out there that will teach you. About. You know, the, the good thing is though, is most of the time when somebody's going to come and take private lessons, they're, they're yeah. pretty motivated, you know, and, and I kind of like those people. And, and if they will stick with you, to, to me, the you know, what I always ran into with trying to help people in a two-day school, honestly, you know, years ago, I just give them too much information. Yeah. That's what I thought. And so I learned, I don't, I don't, I only tell them what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. to start advancing them forward. And it might just be one thing yeah. because if you've been, you know, I've learned what, if you've been doing something one way for quite some time, let me tell you something, you own that move, whether it's helping <laughs> riding, you own it. Yeah. And so if it's not the right one, it takes time to correct that. And so what I've learned is, you know, one bad move with, uh, with your riding, your delivery, your rope, whatever the case might be, if you own it, it's amazing how many other mistakes feed off of that. And so what I do is I'd go in there and watch them, just kind of like you do. And and I would, I watch them run five, six, seven steers and not say anything. I just want to develop a pattern. Yeah. Once I develop a pattern, I say, okay, well that, this is the worst thing they're doing right here. And I'll pick out one thing and say, okay, let's fix that. Mm. You're probably not going to get rid of it in two days, but we're going to get on the way. And you can see by just having one, just putting one thought in their mind, they can stay focused on that. And it's amazing how quick they'll start changing as long as I just stay, okay, we're going to do this. And they might, it might be successful really quick. They want to go the next thing. And I'm going, "Uh uh-uh, we're staying on this because you still own this. And it's going to take a while for you to get rid of it, (laughs) but it's already made you better. But I guarantee you, if you go to something else right now in three runs, this is going to be back. Yeah. And so that's why I stay focused on one or two things and I'll do it for the, the length of the school. And then I'm very adamant about them continuing to do it after I leave. I said, now, listen, if you'll do this for 30 or 60 days, when I come back, we'll go to something else. Mm-hmm. But no need to go to something else to get rid of this, fix this issue. And so it's worked out good like that. And I have a lot of students that, that I mean, and they're, they're fine with it because they've been successful and they've been winning. But I don't confuse them. Yeah. yeah. I do not confuse them. I find that that especially in, in having, a you know, an event that we do that's a lot of recreational um, that uh, a lot of people, when they come out, the, some of the, the ones that are that really get that are ones that have been successful in something else. So, yeah, yeah, because you sure. know, I, I a comment that I always say is like, man, the people that have been successful in business and have you know you just know, done somewhere, some, yeah, like yeah, they, yeah. they don't want to go to a recreation and suck. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you want to go and be good yeah. again at something else. Yes, so it kind of builds on it and always kind of creates. This you know, thing. and that's the hard thing is when you find people like that because. You know, most of the time, this is their hobby. Yeah. You know, but that's why I'm saying, you know, everybody's different. You got to learn how to coach individuals. Yeah. Because you never know, like that person, it, it's your their hobby. But like you say, they might be driven because they're successful somewhere else. And they don't want to just enjoy their hobby. They still want to be successful there yeah. too. And so when you have those kind of people, you can push on the gas a little harder with them because that's really what they want. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what advances them. But then you get the person that, hey, they're happy with just having some success at it. They want to enjoy it, but they don't want to just suck at it. Yeah. So they want to get just good enough where they 
don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you got to, you got to identify those two and I'm fine with that. It doesn't matter. I just got to know which is which because yeah. I was always bad about just pressing the gas <laughs> like on everybody. Everybody wants yeah. to go to the finals. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 That's all like relative. Like, yeah. It, yeah. That's knowing your, knowing your audience. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Hey, like if you push your gas a bit too hard on someone, you'll break them mentally and they won't want to do it. Oh, no. Then, yeah. then there are other people, if you don't, if you don't ask, it, I, does, it doesn't work. When I was coaching fighters early on, I was always, because I, I naturally was real hard on myself. I would, I, but then I was conscious of being too hard on other people and mm -hmm. sometimes I wouldn't push them hard enough and mm -hmm. it's fine in that balance of, of yeah, what, what's good for it, like and that, that depends on the person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you gotta yeah. find see what kind of person that is. Well, I think that's the hardest thing about being a good coach, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that the, the hardest thing, being a competitor, right, and and growing up and and having some success in one part, it's not hard to be um, selfish. <laughs> no, I'm pretty, no, I'm pretty good at it, right? <laughs> and and so like being wanting the the praises, wanting to get in there, wanting to win, but man. And you can be single-minded, focused on it, and and that's not you know, you know, too far out of the realm. But man, I tell you what, being willing to invest into somebody else and give them what your knowledge is, mm -hmm. and the time and the commitment, yeah. and and that that kind of stuff, man. And then having you know, the crazy thing about the horse industry is like you're so you have to be such a well-rounded businessman. You gotta you gotta be able to do marketing. You got to understand marketing and advertising. You got to understand the industry. You got to understand competition. You got to understand horses. You got to understand people. You got to read sure. all those things. And you're investing all in that stuff. Yeah. And that's like a, such a jack of all trades really, you know, benefits. But them. People see that. They see if you're vested in them. Yeah. They, they, it doesn't take them long to figure out, hey, mm -hmm. you know, and I do it a lot. Like a lot of my schools, like I always follow up with a lot of my students. Yeah. They're always surprised. But I really, really want them to get better. And that, and especially the ones that I see really trying. trying. Yeah. If I see them trying, yeah. I always follow up with them because I, I want to I see what direction they're going. You know, for two reasons, because I want them to do good. And then also, to me, if they continue to progress, it validates what I'm teaching. Yeah. I like that. You know, and if they're, if they're going the other direction or not getting any better, I'm, it's, I scratch my head and go, okay. Yeah. I got to try something different here. Well, and that's where you see what makes such a good coach is is longevity, and longevity is their success. Your sure. success is dictated by theirs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Seeing that they're mm -hmm. making sure that they follow up with that—that's a big part yep. of coaching. Yeah. Period. So, who invested in you? You know, I I grew up in an era where their teaching wasn't big. Um, my dad. Yeah. My dad got me started. He didn't start even roping. I think till he's about twenty-one. So when I like when I, we just lived in South Phoenix and when I was raised, we only had one option. It was roping. <laughs> we didn't do sports. We didn't do any of that. And, you know, I just, uh, I can't really say, remember anybody saying, Hey, do this, do that. I just watched mm -hmm. and I had a rope. I was, when I started rope walking, I was like nine months old. And they said I had a rope from the time I was 12 months old in my hand. So it was just, <laughs> just an extension of my body. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It's just something I wanted to get good at. And just by watching, I guess, you know, there, there were some guys. There was a guy named John Miller. He was a world champion. You know, he, he told me a couple things that they, you know, people would try to help, but they hadn't really analyzed it. Hadn't broke it down where you could, you know, yeah. simplify it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was, but nowadays, you know, with all the technology they have, oh my goodness. It's yeah. amazing what you can do. Like when I do a school, every run they make, I video it. Yeah. So they don't make a run without getting videoed. Wow. 
And not every time can I show them something, but I want to have it on there. So, so when I see what they need to see, I can show them because the saying that a picture's worth a thousand words, it literally is. Yeah. And so, and I got a system where one team will go rope. I video them when they get the ropes, when they're walking back up, I video the next team. When these guys come back up, I'll show them real quick what we're looking at. Then the next team goes, it's just, I just keep so going. But the videoing and being able to analyze it, break it down mm -hmm. and keep it simple has been the key to everything. Okay. So, so for you, when you didn't have that, when you were coming up, is there anything that you think you did that other people maybe weren't doing? Or what was, what was a key for your success as young? Was there anything you, know, you think you were doing? I'm just driven. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want this to sound wrong, mm -hmm. you know, but we fairly had good talent, had, you know, yeah. really good hand-eye coordination yeah. and, and that's something that can't be taught. Yeah. I don't care what they say. You yeah. cannot teach that. Yeah. And so I, I was just blessed with that, you know, and then I was blessed to be around the right people. I actually watched the right people. And that's yeah. how I learned basically is watching. Yeah. I didn't really understand what the heck I was doing until years later, but yeah. just by watching, I've learned how to apply it. And, yeah. Well, and you see, a, I mean, not even that it like it's, success is always so relative anyhow, mm -hmm. but when, you know, you started tasting a little bit of this success and that's kind of feeds the rest of it too, sure. right? And I'm like, yeah. well, I'm good at it. And like being, I'm like, no, I want to go do something I suck at. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I want to do exactly. what, I'm, what I'm good yeah. at. It kind of feeds it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Hey, yeah. so true. And like what you were saying there, Brett, about watching the right people mm -hmm. is so important because like uh, we were talking, Todd and I were talking the other day about you can watch it's easy to watch guys that are, that are better than where you're at if you're new to something, but that doesn't mean they're the right people. Because if you're new, say a guy's new to roping, there's, everyone's going to be better than him, but you need to pick the right, the people who are fundamentally Absolutely. correct. Absolutely. That's a big thing, I'm telling you. Yeah, I know Not for the me. Fad. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm okay, I'm terrible at roping. I could pick anyone in this state and they're better than me, <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're going to be the right people. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, so, and I, when I was fighting, when I was young, again, like everyone was better than me. So the problem for me was who do I filter the information from? Because yeah. everyone who told me a tip, they were better than me. Yeah. But then 10 years down the track, I'd look back at that tip and go, man, I probably should well, listen to that. No wonder that guy still worries. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, <laughs> yeah, you, so you know, I get that all the time in roping. In yeah. schools, you know, I get people, they always make the comment, you know, and I'll ask them, does anybody help you? Oh, you know, Charlie over there helped me. Mm -hmm. good what's charlie's number oh he's a four okay yeah yeah a, a 20 handicap a handicapper should not be given golf lessons yeah exactly <laughs> you, know, you should and that and yeah and that that's probably where the number system in in team roping is good because i know for me with fighting there's no there's no you know like if you're in day zero day one uh -huh. everyone's better than you and, and they can be the local legend sure they're the local legend for a sure. reason they're not like a real yeah they stayed local yeah and that's <laughs> it so exactly right so do you have any you know like any tips on that or obviously you watched the right people you were saying when you were young. you know the, and that was kind of my vision mm -hmm. behind the total team roping okay put it on site because and i have thousands of videos of great ropers yeah. making a lot of good runs and talking about it. Yep. So what I try to do is, is you know, like, let's say, you, if you don't know me, you're in Bernie right now, you're going to start roping. Well, you're not going to rope with anybody any good. I can just about guarantee you that. Well, that's what you're going to see. Mm. You're not going to get exposed to what it's really supposed to look like. Okay. So the fact that, that 
it's who it's who you're watching. Mm-hmm. That's what I tried to do because, and I see this all the time. I mean, you see a group of guys, five, four, five, six guys roped together. In 1995, they was fours. And in 2021, they're still fours. Yeah. Because that's what they see. Yeah. They yeah. see their buddies. Yeah. Well, you, you monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Very, very seldom will you see somebody come out of that pack and, and do much. Yeah. You know, they just you always happen. play to the level of your competition. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So, yeah. so your vision with total team roping, like from the start, was I'm going to put make a hub of quality for people to yeah. watch, and it's just going to raise. See, you guys level. can here. You want to practice with them. Here they are. Sit down and watch this. Watch this for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or five minutes or however long before you go rope. But but watch this. Yeah. Don't watch your buddies. Yeah. You know, that was kind of, because honestly, that's how I learned. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's amazing. You know, you look at the competition level, the way everybody ropes now. Well, we started that. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what the heck we was doing, but everything is kind of fed off off of that, you know, with with. Everything's available now, the technology, the videos, the YouTube, everybody has access to everything. And that's why you see this phenomenal amount of people that wrote so good right now. Yeah. It is amazing. The whole field is like. It's amazing what this team roping sport has come to, like the the upper, upper end kids, Mm -hmm. you know, people that from the. Some of these kids are crazy. Oh, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. insane what they do. The number of, of like the number of, of times that were in the finals. Oh yeah. You know, like the, the number of not misses. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you get, you get to, to, to that level right there, it is amazing. Like I sit there at Ropens nowadays and, and like I'm getting ready to go to Arizona because that's where everybody goes in the winter. I go to a bunch of schools and go to some Ropens out there and just sitting there on the fence and watching, you know, like a 13, even a 12, you could say 12 roping all the way to the open. It's amazing how many people wrote good, starting down at the 12. Like the 12 right now, in my opinion, was probably equivalent to what the 15 was 10 years ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's how much it's advanced. You know, there was 10, 12, 15 years ago, if you had gotten a, a 12 roping or 11 roping, sometimes even 13, if you roped a leg or something, you still had a chance. Yeah. You could sneak in there. Yeah. No more. Yeah. You cannot make a mistake. You know, it's the same thing with the raining. I think, you know, it was, and, and the raining, how much it's changed from like, um, you know, probably the, like the, the late 90, well, even like the early 2000s and stuff to now, you know, the past 15 years, how much that's changed. But there was a time in there around the late 80, well, 90s and, and 2000 around there that that there was a, such a bigger influx of information. And all of a sudden, it's yeah, just, there you, you know, like it. there was all of a sudden, you know, you could go and buy VHS tapes of mm-hmm. and you could sure. watch, you know, the top, you know, uh, you know, 20 runs on match opens and mm-hmm. stuff. And you could actually see the guys that were yeah. top doing it. Right. right. Where before, if you weren't at that rope and nobody would see it. Yeah, the same thing with the rain. And like you could buy. I remember going and buying the, you know, the the finals, all the finals runs uh-huh. and could watch all those. I never sat and watched the, um, you know, the rookie classes and all yeah. that stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, God, no, no, I'm not going to sit down and watch that. But I'd sit and watch the ones that were good. Well, I just kind of, even though I may not have been riding with them at the time, mm-hmm. but I was in that company of where I wanted to be. Yeah. Right. That's exactly right. And but that, it was that time that the information was there. The information. Once yeah. you get information that if you don't have to figure it out. All on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, if you got some guys you respect, you know, they've been successful and you can watch them and learn from them, mm-hmm. put a little piece of that into yours, you know, and that's basically, I think, what most of your great people, you know, they, they do. They, they watch guys. They idolize. They watch them, you know, and they start using some of the stuff they have. And, and 
amazing. I think when you get to that level, you, how much you'll figure out on your own mm-hmm. yeah. off of right information. Because like to, to me, and you'll know this from writing, and this is the hardest thing about teaching somebody to rope or ride either one, because so much of it is a feel. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, that's something you can't really teach is a feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you got to keep doing is encouraging and putting them again and again and again in that situation until they actually develop that feel. Because mm-hmm. once you get that to that point, then, then you're getting somewhere. Because if they can go back in there and recreate that feel, not, it's not, it, it's a, it's a muscle memory, but it's also a feel. I mean, you have to, you got to be able to feel your horse. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to feel your swing. You have to be able to feel everything and you just keep putting them there. And then hopefully it, at some point, and it takes a long yeah, of time in the saddle to get a yeah. feel for that, for that. So you watched me, um, the first time I practiced roping, mm-hmm. um, over Rip Tejas that one afternoon mm-hmm. we were over there. Um, and that was the first time I'd done it, right? Yeah. And coming out of the box the first time versus towards the last of that 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 time, I felt this like the first time, first couple of times, you know, I got like launched back of the saddle and whatever else sure. coming out of there. And it wasn't like it was some kind of big, you know, horse or doing, sure. you know, all that, but it was just that figuring that part out. And I swear to you, like the the first three times of walk coming back to the shoots. I was sitting there going, okay, I got to figure like, I wasn't even worried about swinging the rope or doing anything else like that. I got to be on top of that. Where do I need to be in order to be with that horse coming out of there and doing it? And and as soon as that came and happened, like the whole fast blur of everything else, boom, was gone. The whiteout went away. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, you can see it all, right? But it's understanding that feel, and I would imagine the fighting deal is the same thing whenever it all starts to slow down and it all goes into slow motion. Oh yeah. So like when I think of my first fight ever, which I can hardly remember to like my last one, which I was, it was too slow. Like I was thinking about what food I was going to eat after the fight. Like, would I get pizza or whatever? <laughs> Until the guy that hit me. That my mind in a fight. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, okay, how do I get away? <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's the same thing. It's like, and I don't know what that is. I probably should, but like where, as you get so comfortable with it, time slows down. I imagine for you when you're, when you're roping, you can everything's slow, and you can see minor adjustments yeah. you got to make. Whereas for me, it'd just be a blur. Yeah, when 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 um, when Brett is watching, I I've said because I did he did help me a couple of times that there was like he could see like he was like being with a really top professional coach because he could see all of the things that yeah. were there like everything that I pick out and I see somebody riding and I'm like ah you're yeah. so like you're leaning or you're doing this you think you're doing that but you're hanging on this side of the rain and that's why he's doing whatever else and you know like and they're like but the, the horse is doing this and the horse is doing that and you like yeah. get on and you go there it is on loose rain there I mean, he's not right, really right. sure it's doing yeah, it right yeah. but you can see that and yeah. whenever i was doing it he was like just a little minor adjustment of like i know you don't want to hear this todd but can you drop your stirrups two holes yeah. <laughs> and i was like and my first and i know you saw it in my face oh, like, i did what the hell are you telling yeah, me to yeah. do like <laughs> adjust my stirrup and i did it and i was like oh there you go. <laughs> that was a lot easier. I don't yeah. know why I didn't do that. Like, I didn't even think. Well, you don't thought well, you didn't because you didn't know. No. Yeah. I, it would have taken me six months to even try to figure that yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that's like one thing I think about, like elite coaches in anything. Yes. They like, I know when I'm coaching, say, when I, okay, a beginner, I'll teach them like how to throw a punch. It'll be like teaching someone how to rope a dummy. But then once they can get that part, it's all about what, everything except 
the rope or accept the punch. Like yeah, that's like exactly right. With with like the punch, it's like what are their feet doing? Where's their balance? All that sort of thing, and 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 like that. You would think he would be adjusting your your swing or something like that, and he adjusted your stirrups. But but only high level coaches can see it because the the average Joe would just keep focusing on the rope and keep looking at your arm. Yeah. What's that doing? But a mm-hmm. high level coach can go, yeah, stirrup length or your balance is off or 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 they but they see it even yeah. even they're like you you see it going slow when you're in it, but when you're watching somebody else, it's all slow and so obvious. It's just like it's it's glaring. Jumps out like, you yeah. it? like yeah, and that and that goes back to us talking about the being around the right people because yeah. like you could be you could spend ten years around the wrong people and they'll just keep adjusting. They could have kept adjusting your swing for ten years. That's the exact, and all, and all, That's what they do. All that all a guy had to do was tell you to, you know, yeah. lengthen your stirrups. So it's 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 a testament. To yeah, I remember that, and I'm I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I don't know him that good, and he's one of the greatest riders in this part of the country. I'm fixing to tell him he's got to lengthen. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, you, you, and and I would imagine, you know, a good coach knows how to say it too, because you said it, and my first reaction was. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, okay, you know, I'll just do do what you're told. Let's try it. Yeah, if I go back up with them, I'll go up with them at home. <laughs> I'm trying here. Then it was like, ah, yeah, yeah go. That was so simple. Yeah, man, and that that comes back to you too, like the responsibility of who's getting the coaching. Yeah, to just try. I know I've heard things. I've been told things before, and, and nothing makes it doesn't make sense to you, but you just got to trust it and try it, and then trust the process. You know, that, that's the thing you have to do. Is like, you know, like we made that adjustment with you, and you're just like in your mind, you're going, "He's stupid. He doesn't know what he's talking about." Yeah. But it it worked instantly. It did yeah. instantly. It worked. Most things. Don't work instantly. Yeah. So I'll tell them, give it, you know, depending on what it is, I might say, okay, we're going to rope six steers. After we're done roping six steers, they're going to see what it's like. Yeah. Because it's a change. Yeah. You know, same as sighting your gun in. Yeah. You know, one shot. And yeah, that's exactly. You got to shoot a group yeah. and figure out where you're at. Yeah. Good point. But that yeah. that's the thing is, is pick out something, try to start implementing in whatever part of your game you're trying to do and whatever sport it is. Yep. And stay on it and give it a chance to work because if it's somebody that told you that and, and you respect them, yeah. they're telling you that for a reason. Now, yeah. I mean, like I, my hobby is golf. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't want to be bad at it. I I I try. Right. I actually try to get better at it. I think I can, mm-hmm. and so I work at it. But my problem is, I taught myself how to play. Mm-hmm. I did. I watched TV, then I go to the driving range and hit balls till my hands was bleeding. Uh, yeah. Well, I taught myself a swing. I'm pretty sure Jimmy Walker wouldn't teach you. (laughs) That's not one they diagram. But I learned how to hit the ball off of it. Yeah. I mean, I can make great contact. Well, consequently, what happened? So then after years and years, I thought I was just kind of hung up. I thought I'm going to get some help. Well, the first person I take lessons from just destroyed me. Because he tried to change my swing. Yeah. Well, I've been doing this for 25 years, right? You're not going to change this in 20 minutes. I yeah. guarantee you. And he went totally opposite from whatever I'd done. And literally in 30 minutes, I couldn't hit the ball off the ground. Yeah. And that, that that right there, that helped me with my roping. Yeah. Because this is honest. This is the true story. The day before I went and took the lesson, I shot 69 at uh, Tapatio. Yeah. Which that's a great round. Yeah. Especially for me. So I go take my lesson. It was an hour lesson at about 
30 minutes I was trashed. I didn't. So then I thought, well, this guy's a great, you know, he's a great teacher. A lot of people go to him. And so I kept doing it and went the next day. I thought, well, I'm going to go to the golf course and try it now. Mm -hmm. So I went from 69 to two days later, shoot a 91 on the same course. And it drove me nuts. Like, and I, it was so bad. I literally quit for like three or four months. I had to let that get out of my head. Wow. That's how bad it got me. Yeah. And it always drove me crazy. Like, how did he take somebody that was pretty good, just wanting to get better and totally just ruin it? Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what, stupid? You've probably done that a few times in your life. Yeah. And so I got thinking about it. And I thought, you know what? He he went away from the fact that, that I hit the ball square almost every time. I always hit it good. He looked at my swing. Yeah. And he changed the swing, which changed the way I hit the ball. Yeah. And I didn't want to change my, you know what I mean? I, yeah. it, it, at my age and, you know, with every, and when you're busy, it's like you are, you're not going to go stand on the driving range for four hours a day yeah. to retool your swing. And that's yeah. what it takes. And I wasn't going to do that. But so if he'd have just taken what I had and just tried to make that a little bit better in certain little aspects of it, small yeah. things. I'd have been way ahead. Yeah. And so I thought, how many times have I done that? I said, okay, you got to swing like me. He couldn't help me unless I swing like him. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. Yes. And so I started looking back at the bigger picture, watching people's different swings that had some good things to it and just tweak it a little bit. And that way it wasn't just a, they didn't leave there wanting to quit. Huh. That's, 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 that's good. Yeah. That is such that's a good really point. Good. Hey, yeah. I've, I've seen that a lot in, in my sport where, there's there's good co there's good coaches and then there's like elite coaches mm -hmm. and the good coaches can coach guys as long as they can coach them to be like they were yeah that's exactly and right. then the elite coaches can take anyone yeah. and make them better sure and they they might take a guy who's not that gifted but they'll still make him better than he yeah. was and but um and that's that's like that's actually hard it's, like, yeah it, it it is but it's not yeah it it really is not if you just look at somebody's strong points and their weak points yeah. And say it just takes a lot of coaching though. You've yeah, got to no, see no. a lot of it in order to know yeah. what you know not yeah, to what, revamp exactly. and, and what can. It yeah. just so you find that it's it has helped you a lot being um being as good of a coach as you are, having been in the you know, in the big time mm -hmm. big events, you know, and and roping at a at such an elite elite level, mm -hmm. you know, earlier on. Does that is that that been a big difference. Do you do sure. you teach that mental game to them also? Yeah, I, I do. And is anybody that's ever been involved in any kind of athletic? I mean, it, you get to a certain point, and and the mental game becomes a big part of it. Mm -hmm. It's how how you approach a competition, you know. And you can just see it. I'll give you an example. I I'll, I'll be given lessons, and I don't care what you do. It's hard to put pressure on somebody when you're practicing. You know, and people always want pressure. You know, well, we're we're high team at the BFI. Well, you're not. No. Nobody is that stupid to actually talk themselves into believing yeah. I'm high team at the BFI when you're in your backyard. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If you are, you need to be doing something else. So, yeah. so I don't do that. But what I have done is just kind of it's kind of a test too. Is everybody always wants to end the day on a good run when they're mm -hmm. practicing? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen people bring them back. Oh, we're not quitting on that. Yeah. We're going to end on a good one. So I always use this little this little trick for them you know i'll get there'll be four five six steers left getting down towards the end and so i'll ask them say you guys handle pressure good yeah no we're handling pressure good i said good because this is the last steer you're going to run today 
There is no do-overs. Yeah. This is the one you're going to live with till the next time you rope. You're going to have to yeah. think about this one. We're not roping those. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, they miss. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden, they've just been roping good, but I put some pressure on them. You see what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, their brain kicks in. They quit reacting and quit performing. They start thinking and then locks up. You know what they say? They say, uh, you know what pressure does? Either it makes diamonds or it busts pipes or makes diamonds, one of the two. So <laughs> yeah. however you want to use it. <laughs> well, you know, there's a saying in, in jujitsu that everybody's got a plan or in the fight game. It's, it's, yeah. it's everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, like, you can practice that fight game and everything else and do all that stuff. We I watched a couple of guys that came, one of the guys that came from like a Kav Maga yeah uh, background and he was rolling with some pretty and he was he i think at the time he was like a, a a blue belt and um and he was rolling with one of the you know one of these younger kids that was you know really moving up and he was like winning a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and this guy was just a you know joe but he had done a lot of my cob god before mm -hmm. and um and that kid was like oh so you like do that <laughs> stuff you know why don't you try and play some of that with us and whatever he says just to open hand let's play yeah, let's do it let's do it he's like really dude i mean you serious you want to do that i mean like that's a different game when you're like no no come on man you think your stuff is really good and this kid was really a uh, very talented mm -hmm. and um and they started to start out god and he just started smacking that kid in the face and the whole game went out. <laughs> there was nothing he like when he guys are smacking around. It was a whole different game, yeah. right? I can only imagine that you know that yeah. that feeling that when you get popped in the nose, where there's just that. It's not a good feeling. It's a nasty <laughs> feeling. That's why my MMA career. <laughs> I still have the trash talk, but that's about yeah. all I got. <laughs> yeah, until that bell rings. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good out, good skill to have the show. I didn't have that. Uh, yeah, mine was just yeah. My my brain would start going when I had to trash talk, and then I just not, I had nothing. No, yeah, you said shut up. And do yeah, it. yeah. No good. Do you, know, do you know what his? Do you know what his what his fight name was? No, he never told me that. The relentless badger. The badger. The yeah. badger. The badger. I like that. Yeah, because I was always small for my weight division. I was like this little creature, you know? <laughs> Angry little creature. Hey, badgers are tough. So That's, that's what people to told me. Oh, know? they are. I've we seen are, it. Yeah. So, yeah. well, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> the relentless badger. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I, I would imagine, though, that that's kind of the same thing, is that how much people practice and practice and then, you know, being able to handle that. So did you ever develop something that you could practice get creating pressure or reinventing? You know, I, I try. You know, and like, again, you can't just, if you're that simple, you can actually convince yourself you're to rope when you're really practicing. <laughs> yeah. You know, but what I try to do when I practice, and it seems it helps me, and I've had a lot of my students do it, is like, every steer, actually, you're somewhere. I don't care if it's the first, second, third, fourth steer, but you're somewhere. You know, actually... You're roping a steer at a roping. Make mm. it count. Mm. Because, you know, what happens, you're practicing. Well, if you miss, guess what? You turn around right back and watch, get another one. Well, you get to the roping, you miss. You don't go to the next arena. You go on saddle. Yeah. You just give them 150 or 300 or no telling how much for the day. Yeah. But, you know, I try to encourage them to say, okay, this is the first steer at the World Series at the rope saddles. Make the right decision on him. You know what I mean? Because if you don't catch this one, you don't get another one. Mm -hmm. Just try to build stuff because... 
I think if I do that enough, if people do that enough, that you wrote that first year at that World Series roping when you're practicing, well, it's going to help to some degree when you get to that roping mm. and you are running the first year. I've just ran him 40 times in the last month. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so it's something that you've actually been there mentally and some I think you can go draw back from, you know, anything to help. Uh, I don't, I'd try not to get too deep into the, you know, it's just, if you haven't, if you practice correctly mm-hmm. and, and then it's time to get the rope and just react, you know, I try to, to eliminate, you can get too much going on in your head. Mm-hmm. If people mental game, you know, and then they get their mind spinning, looks like a little squirrel and they're just going a thousand miles an hour. Well, <clears throat> that destroys your mental game. Yeah. You got to be relaxed and you got to try to, my opinion is you have to try to uh, keep, the thoughts to a minimum that have nothing to do with roping the steer you're fixing. Yeah. Rope. It doesn't matter what the mouncer's talking about. It doesn't matter what the other team did. It just doesn't matter. Anything that you're not thinking about, if you're thinking about what I have to do to rope this steer and react to him, that to me is the mental, the mental game. Mm-hmm. And eliminate the, the distractions, which is hard to do. I mean, especially you go to roping, well, I mean, there's a lot of noise. They're telling you what time you have to be. You know, there, there's, and if you start listening to that kind of stuff, that's what to me tears you down. If yeah. you could wear earplugs, I think you'd be better off. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you do you have anything that you used to do before? Like your pre date pre uh, you know, fight ritual or what got you into the deal? Or had you started fighting before you started first round the first round in your head? Or you not just really, like, not really like I would only think about it, um, the actual fight when I got to the arena and I would start going through the, how I wanted it to go, doing some perfect run throughs in my head and then some escaping bad positions if things didn't go well. But I didn't think about it until I got there because when I was early on in my career, I would spend like, I'd start thinking about it the morning I woke up, the fight's not till that night. And it's just so much, you go through every scenario and you spend all this emotional energy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and then you kind of- You can tired. drain yourself. Yeah, yeah. Drain. You, you do tired. that at the, doing a clinic, man. Yeah. I walk back from doing a clinic and I am like- You're toast. Spent. Yeah. My head is done. Oh, if I yeah, can talk you. for two days straight and blah, you know, blah, You said something that was kind of a key right there is uh, um, when you're just kind of preparing for it mm-hmm. is you thought, you know, I you thought about how you wanted it to go. Yeah. In your mind, that's the perfect way to go. But yep. then you also thought about some situations that didn't go your way. Yeah. So how do I get out of that? Yeah. And so yep. I think that's key is, is you know, you got to be prepared to be in the wrong spot too. Yeah. Things aren't always going to be perfect. So, you know, being able to say, okay, if this happens, what will I do? Mm-hmm. That's all has to happen out back. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the free shot routine has to go through your head. What are you going to do here? What are you going to do there? Well, you know what? experience it think about it and then when it comes time to rope or fight or whatever yeah that's the time to let it go and just go perform that's it yeah and i and like what you said before brad about like not worrying about what the announcers do or yeah. other team comes back like in the change room yeah. like we would be sharing there'd be a few other fighters in there and you say that the worst is you see it with young fighters a guy who's in their change room just gets knocked out and he oh, gets yeah. dragged back in like, <laughs> like a corpse and, and you and they're watching him and like start freaking out and it's like no 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 don't worry about that like, going into the gladiator yeah, yeah. 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 to the coliseum and all you gotta you know like it's hard when you start anything 
at a high level and like you're like well what's a high level you know for me going to like a if i was to rope me to go into local rope would be a high level sure because yeah. i'm shit i'm shit myself yeah you, you'd be you'd go blind i guarantee yeah. <laughs> so when you start anything where there's pressure and no matter what the level i guess it's like you got to think in in terms of the, like the act not the emotion so yeah. i'm not worried about oh, what are people going to think if i miss or if yeah. i lose or what that's what I... goes through people's heads yeah nah, you got to think problem. like in this second what do i need to do you know and then if it cha- if something changes next second what do i need to do that second mm-hmm. like you're in the mo if you're in the moment every second thinking about the action you need to do to to win mm-hmm. It, it's hard to go wrong. You know? yeah. yeah. Then you're staying exactly yeah. right there. You're yeah. not scattered out. You know, you said something right there, like the, uh, being able to, to not think about the outside stuff mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. I mean, absolutely huge because if you can not pay any attention to anything that's going on around you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause Locking the ropings are the worst oh. in the world because you got somebody to you. It, stuff is going on everywhere nonstop. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get distracted. Yeah. Very easy to get distracted. So one of the things that I've done like, um, I kind of, I, I, I've always been fascinated with the mental game. And so one of the things that I kind of read on and the more, the most, uh, the best books that you can read on the mental game are ones that are written about golf. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's it's for so long. Right. And the sports psychologist, you know, you, you're not going to you're not going to get a whole lot of at the now. Maybe so different. But, but before you wouldn't have gotten a whole lot of cowboys coming to you as mm-hmm. you know, giving you mental coach for one. You know, they probably wouldn't even thought of it, too. They wouldn't have the money to be spent on it. They sure. wouldn't have spent it on it if they did. Right. But golf had enough money in it yeah. that the non pros would come in or the amateur golfers would come in in droves because they want that's their next passion. Right. Mm-hmm. And they understood, and it's always been understood, that tennis and golf are a mental game. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're, it's, it's an individual sport. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't look at it as football as much because you've got a lot of backup. Because you have a team, mm-hmm. right? So if you go in, you go to play, you can go screw up a couple of plays and it's not like the whole game is over. You know, maybe later they might say it was you, but for the most part, sure. it's not, yeah. you got a team that's carrying the burden, right? Mm. So when you're an individual, it's really, really different. And the mental game of it is really uh, the hardest part for an individual sport. And one of the things that I, I picked up in some of that place was, and it was the golf, one was one of the best analogies, right? And it's the feel part of the riding. Was that? Um, was explained that whenever you get when you get into a uh, a situation where you get heightened on your your blood pressure gets up and your you know your heart's pumping and everything else, mm-hmm. your natural what's happening is your your blood's going to your bigger muscles, right? You're going to bigger muscle groups. What what's happening is like it's run for your life, right? Mm-hmm. In, in the natural form of things, and we. We hear about people like they ran and he, his foot got, you know, two toes got cut off. He didn't know it until, you know, yeah. two hours <laughs> later, he looked down and was like, oh, I missed him. Didn't even know it. Right. And it's because there's no feel in the feeling leaves your extremities because the blood flow leaves your extremities. Yeah. Right. It's going to your heart, your lungs. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not even so much your brain. It's like big muscles and oxygen there so we can run. Right. Mm-hmm. So dexterity leaves. And until you've done it enough to where you can relax more. Do you start to get the blood flow back? So the idea was is that if one was being the golf club was going to fly out of your hand mm-hmm. and 10 meaning when you're putting dents in it like a gorilla, mm-hmm. right, on too much of a grip, an optimal grip was like a three or four, mm-hmm. right? 
But whenever you go to swing and that heightened blood grows rushing, what you think is a three is now a six. Or eight. Or, eight. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. I can right? testify to that. <laughs> and so, but you don't know it until you're done. Then whenever that happens and you pull one, you know, then you shank it, then you go and it and it just it feeds. It's all tension. Yeah, it's all tension and, yeah. and you can't get it to go away because tension you don't kills have everything. Feeling. And the biggest part is the knowledge of knowing what's happening, mm -hmm. right? So for me, the way I addressed it whenever I go to show was that I knew I was going to intense. I knew I was going to get tight. And the worst part about it with in the horse and deal is I get tense. And here's what happens with most non-pros and why if you think about it, when people go to show or whatever else you hear like, Man, you know, I went in there and I lost, you know, like 60% of the mouth of my horse whenever I walked in the show pen. He's all hood stiff. He's getting all tight. And what happened was horse didn't, right? You <laughs> lost you your feeling. You started, that, he was stiff. You didn't yeah. feel, you had no feeling. You didn't snatch on him, bumping on him. And then he's going, what the heck? And he heightens. Yeah. And now he doesn't feel his mouth because yeah. that's his extreme. Eating is not on his mind. It's run, yeah. right? And so all of a sudden it's doubled down on it, right? So what I would do whenever I'd go, get ready to go into pen is I'd open my hand. Mm. So when I go to show, I would open my hand up when I go to show. Relax. So that, um, so much so that I felt like my reins were going to slip out of my hands, right? Mm. Yeah. And then I would show there. So that it slowed me down. I couldn't snatch a fit. I couldn't do whatever else. I mm -hmm. have to ride further out and be softer with my hands. But it was just the first part was knowing that, right? Yeah. And, and then being figured a, out how to fix it. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, mean, we I, all, know it, but I think we all have those demons you got to work through. You know, yeah. that, well, I mean, I think I don't know anybody that hasn't. Oh, yeah. I hear people will say all the time. I mean, I was doing a deal one time and and they asked me about pressure. You know, how do you handle pressure? I said, you know, just like we've talking right here, you know, if, by figuring out how to get around it. I know where I'm at. I know what works for me and it's not listening to anything. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times pressure is, is I don't watch the roping. I don't listen. You know what I mean? I just know I'm going to go do what I can do. Yeah. It's a common theme, right? Yeah. And if I stay right there, I know it's probably got a good chance of being successful. Mm -hmm. But if I start watching and what, you know, you'll see a great run here. And I think, well, I'm going to have to speed it up a little bit. Well, yeah. you might not draw the steer to speed it up on. You know <laughs> what I mean? So if I stay and just say, I'm going to go make the very best run on whatever I draw. If that ain't good enough, you know what? They beat me. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't beat myself. That's the key. So yeah. on your file, so I'm curious, because there's always like a defining moment or there's mm -hmm. a part that, you know, like your 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 best run or your whatever mm -hmm. else. I I would get I would wonder mm -hmm. if it was like your BFI run with Roy Cooper and you know, in that run. Was that is that one that sticks out in your mind like I remember it very vividly. Mm -hmm. I remember winning the BFI with Clay O'Brien Cooper. I mm -hmm. remember winning that with him. and It was the most extreme conditions ever. Right. It was insane. I mean, it was so bad they moved the rope and from they wouldn't have <laughs> they it. They didn't do it there again? No, they didn't do it there again. It was wow. it was unbelievable. And it was the moment where, I mean, I can still, and man, that was a long time ago, but I can still see it. I still yeah. see the color of the steer. Yeah. I seen everything. Yeah. You know, and that was one of them ropings I won. Like I would rope. I think we was pretty, we was kind of close to the front. I would rope, I would ride out the back, I would go and saddle my horse, watering, sat around, relaxed, didn't watch any of the roping, none of it. Yeah. Rope the dummy, listen, when it, you know, within 30 minutes, I saddle my horse back up and I would start the process all over again. Yeah. I go out, warm him up a little bit, tune up on the dummy, 
walk up there and I'd be within 10 teams, eight to 10 teams. I'd watch a couple just to watch the start and I'd go rope. Yeah. I bet I didn't see, I bet I didn't see 20 teams go that yeah. day in the BFI. Yeah. I ignored it. I just wanted to stay where I was at yeah. and do what I knew I needed to do when that rope. Yeah. That none of that matters. That is that is such a like a common theme I've seen in people that are do well or what they do is they're not, and whether it's by design, whether they know to do that or whether it's just their personality. I don't know how it was with you, but they they don't they're not concerned with what other people are doing. Yeah. Um. Because it, it, it when you think about it, it has it you know. Can you can't the, control what they're doing. It has no impact. Really. Yeah. Like, it has a negative impact. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I only, think. Only. Yeah. yeah. You know, it has a negative impact to me. Yeah, exactly. And that's where people being obsessed with who, who went before them, <laughs> you know, in whatever sport, like the guy that went before me, or oh, how did he do? Well, what does it matter? Yeah, like, it doesn't matter how he went. You know, and then that's the thing is, is, is they, you know, a lot of the people I have, you know, they're going to be in that four, five, six, seven range. You know, that's their handicaps. And so, and, and it's easy to see the ones that don't do great at the ropings perform well just because they don't allow themselves to. You know, yeah. they get to thinking too much. You know, and they always ask me. That's what I'm there for. And I do everything I can to help them. Well, when, when you watch people like that, it, it's, it's because they are more concerned. They think everybody's watching them. Yeah. they do but you know and i know that feeling i used to think that i thought oh, but no. their eyes are on the outcome no right? no they're just yeah. roping i mean it's amazing that people actually think that i mean they go in there and they don't want to mess up because everybody's watching them and i tell them listen <laughs> the only way they're going to remember you is if you fall off your horse yeah <laughs> i guarantee you, you can run a steer tie your horse up the back in the arena walk all the way back up mask everyone you run into how'd that look yeah nobody cares Unless you fall off, yeah, yeah. then they remember you. Yeah, and and then they only remember because they don't want to be the one who falls off next. <laughs> exactly. It's not so much that they were like, "Oh, you suck." Yeah. It was more like, "Damn, I hope that doesn't happen to me." Yeah. They're all too self-centered to be worrying about somebody yeah. else at that yeah. at that point. Yeah, man, that's so true. Hey, yeah, <laughs> it really like, is. So you're getting ready. You're 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 going to start your roping career. See, you have an advantage because you can ride. Most. People don't have that advantage. Yeah. You know, and that that's that's the hardest thing. If you don't grow up riding, that's and if you want right? to start roping and riding, yeah. Yeah. it's it's tough. It is really tough. Yeah. So how in that sense, like obviously Todd's an, an elite rainer, is like the riding that you guys are doing, mm -hmm. team roping, is it gonna be different or like it's it it's different to some degree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's uh you know we we get probably different places in our saddle mm -hmm. than you do. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll go from the front to the back. Right. In a in a balanced way. You know, that right. that's the way our horses work. You know, that's the way you perform. You can't you can't really rope setting on your pockets. That's not an athletic position. Right. You have to be in that athletic position. You gotta be using your legs, they gotta be your shock absorbers, you gotta be able to get to the front of the saddle to guide your horse. That's the only difference, really, which mm -hmm. is easy but for somebody like you because once you feel the difference, I mean, you ride because that's where you guys ride out. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. we ride because that's the way we perform. But, I mean, you could you could spend an hour with me showing me how to set on a rainer, and I could do it. I could spend an hour with you showing you why. Not, not I wouldn't just tell you, okay, Todd, just get to the front of the saddle. Mm. I would show you why. To me, when you tell somebody to do something, there needs to be uh, – an explanation with it. Mm -hmm. It has to make sense to you because if it makes sense to you, then your brain will accept it. And you say, yeah, I can do that. But if somebody just says, do this. Yeah. Well, okay. 
What does that mean? Oh, tell me why. I want to know why. That helps to me. Yeah. And I think I, I say that to people whenever I'm coaching them that, you know, when when I'm explaining to them how to do something or telling them how to do something, one of the things that I always tell them is like, man, if if I can't explain it to you, then you, I'm probably not going to be telling you how to do it. Right. Yeah. I can't I have to be able to explain to you what it is that, you know, why I'm doing that, because if I if I can't explain it to you, then I really don't know. What sure. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And and if if you can explain it in a way they can understand it, mm-hmm. even better. Yeah, and it's pretty easy to sit there and watch them because if all of a sudden they get that look that looked like an ostrich in their eyes, you know you've lost them. Yeah. They're not understanding the damn yeah. word you said. Well, let's you know what I mean? can make it simple. Yeah, <laughs> let's try this a different way. And that's the thing. You can take one subject and there's five different ways to explain it. Yeah. And so I just keep working my way around until all of a sudden you'll see the light comes on. Yeah, and, you, and you know, sometimes you just have to hear it 10 times. Yeah. True. What yeah. is the name you say that about advertising? You know, like you got to, it's got to be in yeah. front of somebody, you know, six or 10 times before accept it. they actually ever act on it. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, so Brad, I got a question as far as what you were just talking about with Todd, like say you had a, a guy and he, you get to coach him to the highest level you can, mm-hmm. what would be the trainings? And, and he, he has an open schedule. Like what would you say is an ideal training schedule or practice schedule for a guy to excel where like what percentage of time should he be roping a dummy or should he be actually making live runs or what, what do you think? Well, well it, you know, again, that, that would depend on where they're at, mm-hmm. how advanced they are. Yep. You know, if it's somebody that's more advanced, like I got a, a kid I've been helping out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. He, he started, he was, I think it was an eight plus a few months ago. Mm-hmm. He wants to rodeo. He wants to go to the finals. He, you know, he has aspirations to win in the world. And so his practice habits just had to change. You know, yep. I mean, he had to have a, a purpose. And I'm telling you, when you're doing this, it's like any sport. You know, you're talking, this is what you do. Yep. I mean, you're going to, it's going to be hours every day. Yeah. Of repetition of making the same run again. Lots of self-discipline. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, what you do. Mm-hmm. You spend some time on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot. At, at that level, you're not going to spend a lot of time roping a dummy. A heel dummy. Yeah. Headers will. But, you know, so somebody like that is just it's making runs and, and, and having a really good practice plan. Yeah. But it's going to be, you know, seriously, 50 to 100 steers a day. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. That's at that level. That's what they do. So excuse my ignorance for not having an idea of this, but Mm -hmm. at that, so if you're doing 50 to a hundred steers a day and like horse wise, you obviously can't do it on the horse. You're going to be competing. Oh no. So how do, how's a guy getting around Practice horses? Yeah. You know, and most of the guys will have three or four good horses, Mm -hmm. you know, for sure. One really good one and hopefully two really good ones. Yep. You don't, you don't, those horses are, uh, you don't practice much on them. I mean, you maintain them, you know, score yep. some cattle just, just to keep them working, keep them shaped. You're like your, you know, like your top quarterback. You're not going to yep. throw him into practice and have tackling drills. With him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's going to, guy got the red shirt on, we're not tackling him. Yeah. We're going to go about, you know, three quarter speed or half speed, whatever yep. it takes. But yeah. That, it, then that's the way they prepare. But again, I mean, they're going to rope all day long. Wow. Yeah, okay. all day long. That's what they do. Man, <laughs> damn, that's cool. Well, you think about it, though. <laughs> some horses. Yeah, I know that. I know that you do some stuff with with the Walker family. Jimmy Walker's a professional golfer. Yeah. But how many hours a day is he staying on the driving range? Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Right? I mean, it's insane. Yeah. That that's that's a sport. I mean, I love it, but 
I don't know if I have the mental capacity to grind over every shot like they do. Yeah. You know, I just, I mean, it's amazing. To me, that is the the toughest mental sport there is, is golf. Yeah. Not yeah. physical, but you can beat yourself up mentally. No, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. That's one thing that I think would be tough, though, with roping, like you're talking about training that, like, at an elite level, is I know with fighting, like, I was in the gym hours a day, but I could, it was up to me. And even if I was sore or tired, mm -hmm. I still showed up. And with golf, those guys can still show up. But with, say, roping, you're, you're still relying on, like, your practice was better, better be, like, you know, oh, yeah. not wanting to throw a tantrum that day or something like that well, that's where it'd be tough you like, know that that the, the practice horse is almost as valuable as your good horse yeah because that's what's getting you sound you know, you know oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, i mean that, yeah. that there's a good practice horse amazing enough they're pretty hard to find yeah a really good one and that's so yeah that's what it sounds like that quarterback analogy that mm -hmm. you said is yeah. like the quarterback gets all the the accolades like you're like mm -hmm. the horse you're making your real sure. runs on yeah but really that that practice horse is yeah, the, the offensive lines of yeah the <laughs> he's taking man he's taking hits for yeah. you you know so exactly so um i i so in that right um i get this a lot on you know the price of a lower level reigning horse mm -hmm. well it's not the open horse sure. it's the other one and you know how much are those how much how much is and and it's not that big of a horse, big mm -hmm. time of a horse, you know, why is it so expensive? Why does it, why does a, you know, beginner rainer cost that much or a good beginner, um, roping horse. And mine has always been, you know, that he's, his value is not based on the fact that he gets you into the open pen. It's his values based on how consistent he is and makes you a better rider. That's exactly right. You know, I wonder, like, so if I'm a number, if I'm a number four, mm -hmm. you know, is it um, because it's only a number four horse? Is you know that's the caliber of where that horse is at. But he's the he is there in his pocket and where he gets every mm -hmm. single run. Like, what's the value in horse <laughs> like that? Like, it's not because he's the one that's going to take you to the finals. But he's going to take that number four roper and make him look like he's a superstar. Yeah. In that, those are not cheap. No, they're not cheap. But you know, but they're and, invaluable, right? Oh, you to. I'll put it this way. So, you know, you're talking about a number four roper. The the chances of him being a really good accomplished rider are not very big. I mean, he's probably not going to be a great rider too, and he's trying to learn how to wrestle. So if you take somebody like that, you know, that's, you know, kind of a, you know, lower class rider and he's trying to learn how to rope and you put him on that horse, that horse that knows his job and he's going to get there no matter what this guy tells him to do, no matter what buttons he pushes, this right. horse is going to his spot. Well, now this guy that is a, can't ride, but he can rope a little bit. The horse is going to do the work. Mm. It's going to give him a chance. But now, if you take that same guy and put him on a horse that doesn't know his job that good, that requires some riding, that's when it no the chance at all zero. Yeah. That's where the, that's where the wreck starts. Yeah, you know, and, and you just can't. I mean, you're not going to see. You'll never see your top guys riding horses that don't help them, yeah. because they know the difference. Yeah, and, and and you know, and I get in today's world. You know, sometimes sometimes people can afford it, and sometimes you can't. It's just the way it is. You know, but so. What kind of horse do you buy? Well, don't buy a young one. 
which is what everybody wants to do. Mm. I mean, I hate... We'll learn together? Yeah, we're going to learn together. <laughs> that always works out great. <laughs> yeah. I always love that one. I tell I tell people when they start to come out and do that, it's like, well, my my favorite one is, you know how to play Parcheesi? Because I don't know anybody who knows how to play that damn game. Right? And they're like, no, I don't know how to play Parcheesi. I don't either, but... If we get a board out and some marbles and whatever else, we might play something. No instructions. We might play something, but it ain't going to be Parcheesi. Yeah. Because like, I don't know how to play it and you don't know how to play it. Doesn't mean we're going to do, you know, we're going to do something, mm. but it ain't going to be that. You're like, somebody's got to know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and if you want to get to that next spot, somebody's mm-hmm. got to know, you know, yeah. where what we're supposed to yeah. do mm-hmm. and it's, compensate for it. Yeah, and that's the thing. You take a people that can't ride, somebody can rope, they can't ride. Well, they can ride, but they can't row. So really, one doesn't do any good without the other one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, and so what I ask, you know, like when I'm coaching, that's one thing I look at is go, okay, where's this person at? What What's holding him back? Is this roping or is this riding? If it's both, which a lot of times it is, which is the weakest one? Because you got, you got to build the weakest one up. That's what makes the stronger one stronger. And that's how you start advancing them. Mm-hmm. But not... Trying to rope on something that doesn't know his job and try to learn is voodoo. It's just, <laughs> I don't even want to ride your horses. You know, and I do that at the schools a lot. And I'm watching these horses and I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't. I'm glad I'm not. And then they'll come say, you want to run one of my horse? Uh, no. <laughs> no. No. Not really. Is there a polite way? Oh, no. uh, uh, my I, shoulder kind of sore. Uh, yeah. I get that bag. I hear that, too. The people... We'll go, well, you know, um, I want a horse, but, um, you know, I, I, I know you're going to, you know, if I have you going and get it, you know, you're going to buy something for you or be concerned that I might buy something for me instead mm-hmm. of what for them. And, and I always say, it was like, what I want to ride is what you want to ride. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't ride that thing three, four times a week on that non-pro horse to keep him up while you ride him twice. I'm riding more than you. He's living in my backyard. Yeah. He's, you know, he's essentially my horse. I don't want something I don't want to ride. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why would I pick something that's nasty? I bet that's the wake up call for me. Hey, yeah. Good point. Never thought exactly. of that. Exactly. Like I'm, a, I want to be riding this thing. If I'm gonna get paid to ride it, I might as well ride what I want. No, ride. I'm gonna go get you yeah. a donkey. Yeah. Okay. I, I, get something <laughs> I just hate getting on. No way, man. Yeah, I think that's hard for people to understand. When you have never ridden a good one, you know, that's, that's an eye opener. Yes, it, it is. It is an eye opener. Yeah. When, when you get a hold of one that just loves his job. All of a sudden, whatever guy. you're doing became so much easier. Oh my gosh. Based on what you're riding. Yeah. Then you're, when you get a hold of those as a young horse, you're like, man, just don't screw him up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just don't mess him up. Yeah. I know I've messed a few up in my time. Oh, I've done my fair share. <laughs> I've done my fair share. You, uh, so I, I, at the time of that, when you won that, the BFI, mm-hmm. um, so I read that that was like the number one horse at that time. Mm-hmm. Was So what about, what's the deal, on, what was the deal on that horse? You know, if that was just kind of an accident, stumbled into him. Uh, I, my brother-in-law healed and wrote kids. He owned that horse. Well, I wound up buying a half-brother to him just by accident that was a calf horse and a heel horse. Well, my brother-in-law thought he was getting to me. And so we traded. 
he got mine and I got his. Well, his, the one I wound up training, wound up being the best head horse in the world. His, on the other hand, didn't wind up being anything. <laughs> Which is my brother-in-law, so I'm happy. <laughs> so, yeah, that horse was, uh, I mean, I think the first rope when I took him to, I don't even think he was four yet. Wow. Heading on him. He was trying to heal on him, but you couldn't heal on him. He was just, he was just a fire-breathing dragon and just yeah. just wasn't a heel horse. Mm -hmm. Then about that time, Clay O'Brien Cooper had asked me to start heading for him. So I started. Well, that's all I had. I just threw him right into the mix and away we went. And he just, yeah. you know, he's just one of those horses, as you know, you've, it seems like the great horses almost make themselves. Yeah. You don't really train them. You just try to keep doing what you do. And they just. You just, they just to, make themselves. You make a relationship and you just learn to get along. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's amazing, you know, because he didn't never had a steer headed on him. And in less than a year, I was hauling him anywhere, everywhere in the world. Wow. It didn't matter. Man. But, you know, again, so believe me, at that age, I promise you I didn't train. <laughs> yeah. He made himself. So... What? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, what what were the qualities that what? Uh, it's the exact same we, question I was going to ask. Okay, yeah. So what in that horse what made he, him that? Way? He, what he, made him that way? He was just made him that good, fast. Good. Yeah, mm -hmm. fast beyond what you can imagine. So, like I had everybody out mounted ten to one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't know it when I had him, but I was where where I lived out there in Gilbert. There was a racetrack down there, and I. Mm -hmm. Would go down there, ride down the canal bank. I get on the racetrack, and I always use my uh, sister's barrel saddle uh -huh. just to exercise him. I had him like he looked like he was ready for the All American, really. Uh -huh. And I did that every day. I just kept him at the top, you know, just in perfect shape. So I'm loping around that track, and the guy just was down there uh, raising his racehorses one day. A little jockey come by me, and my horse he's on the muscle. That guy comes up, says, "That horse looks like it run." I said, "Yeah, it can." He said, "You want to try me?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, you say when? We said, now, I smoked that racehorse. Oh, dude. I tore his head right off on the straightaway for about 150 yards. Like, I blistered him. Well, he gets pulled up. He said, started asking questions. How's he bred? And he wanted all about this horse, right? I said, he's just a roping horse. But that was his quality. Is, is He scored great. He, he tried every yeah. time, but he could outrun everything. So... You know, like when I won the BFI, they always asked me, what was, th what was you thinking? I said, well, I was thinking I had the best head horse in the world by far, the best heel horse, in the, or the best healer by far in Cleo. Please don't screw this up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't mess this one up. <laughs> when, when you, I'm curious because um, that footing in that had to have been like crazy. It was, it was the worst conditions ever. Like it was literally some places a foot deep in mud. And you had one that strong. Like, did you just like let it loose and just let run it go? What you got? And I let it go. I love that. Man. I did. I'm telling you, we just had to remove that out of your mind. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. You just sat there in the thing. It was a 35 foot score. Oh. Yeah, which is just amazing. I think the arena was, I can't remember, it was probably 600 feet long. Holy and and it had snowed and rained and it was it was unbelievable and I just I just had to just didn't think about any of that. So you had to like run to oh, catch that yeah, thing. Oh yeah, no, I mean like an eleven second run was a good run. Wow. Yeah, I think we only had two or three of those, but yeah, it was, eleven seconds they feel like forever on that. Oh, 
yeah, it felt like forever. <laughs> but I'm telling you, when you spot them out there at 35 feet, well, you got to yeah. think too at 35 feet, you're probably, you know, I was just saying, I'm not going to break the barrier. Right. I'm not taking 10 seconds with me. So I'm sure I'm letting them out sometimes 37, 38 feet just to make sure I don't take that 10 seconds with me. And so, mm. but wow. when you got the fastest horse in the world, you can afford to do that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It was not, I never, I always knew I was going to get a good throw. So that's kind of comforting too. Yeah. Huh. That's not cool. Yeah. That's a cool story. I think that's the, the ones where you just, that, that being there have been in, been there and that you can just like let it fly. Yeah. You know, just, and that's what well, you know, at the time we was, you know, probably considered the probably the best team at that roping. Yeah. At, at the average ropings. I mean, it was we had won a bunch of those. How old were you at the time? Um probably twenty-two. Oh, wow. Yeah, probably twenty-two. Man, that's wow. cool. Do you know what's cool with that is like you hear these stories of greats in their sport under the most extreme conditions, under the most pressure. And they're, when you ask them about it, like like what Brett just said, no, no one, got, none of them ever are like, yeah, I just decided to play it conservative that day. They're always, they always go, yeah, just let it go. Yeah. Like, turn it loose. yeah, just turn it loose. Cause they know they got it. You know, you know, you had it, your partner had it, your horse had it. Yeah. So why would you, why not? Just, well, I'm not going to get my own way today. Yeah. 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 That's I think cool. when you, when you get conservative, you're thinking, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I guarantee if you start getting conservative, you get in your head and you start thinking, that's well, you're going to get conservative, all right? Yeah, and then they start trying to, oh, how, how conservative, how much should I play it safe? Where yeah. you just got to, if you know you've put the, the hours in, you just got to turn it that's the That's the trick, put yeah. the time in. Yeah. I don't think that's what, in any sport, I think that's the hardest thing for people to get through their heads is like, if you want to be good, yeah. You have to put in a tremendous amount of time. I got a guy that I help in Utah, and it's amazing what this guy's done. Um, he's 50 years old, decided he wants to get good. He's went, he's has a successful business, and he's got an indoor built an indoor arena, got five horses, and he ropes. And I'm telling you, the guy has got good. Mm. Like he's got two numbers past what I think everybody thought he would. But wow. you know what? He's got a lot of help, and and he's put in. He, I don't care what's going on. He's got a header that works for him. He's going to go run 30 or 40 a day. Wow. Yeah. With his business. And he's got a, he's got a business, but that's the difference. Yeah. And that's why he's getting there. You know what I mean? But a lot of people can't do that. And I understand it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I I think that's where I see that too. Like I'm, I turned 51 this year and, um, and I've, you know, it's not that I don't, I, I love raining. I love the horses. I love doing every bit of it, but you know, you've done it. And now it's like, hmm, let me go find that other challenge too. Yeah. Right? That's it's the like, thing. You got to have something. But it's that same thing that, yeah. that, that you kind of, you know, you hit in that, that point where it's like, it's not like that I have, there was still things that I didn't want to do or mm -hmm. that I, you know, there's still some shows that I, but you know, I like, I don't know the, Horsepower is not necessarily in the barn right now and whatever else, but sure. it's like, yeah, I got to find something like I, there's just something else that I got to feed that with. Right. Mm -hmm. And well, I think that's what people do. Yeah. I mean, that it's the competition, you know, because if you don't do something like that, you know what? There's no adrenaline. Yeah. Adrenaline is what energizes you. Yeah. That That's what drives you to me is, you know, that's you, you go to a rope and I don't care. I, I'm, I've never been that calm person. 
I have to try to calm myself. Yeah. It's just my demeanor. And I know that about me. So I try to keep the blood pressure down. I know how that goes. And so if you can control that, you know, your emotions, then I mean, it's, it's not that hard, but boy, if you don't, it becomes difficult. Yeah. trying to control my emotions when my wife's telling me to like go fix something that's where my challenge is yeah ah, that's cool stuff man that's cool stuff i i i started using i started paying attention to the mental game when uh when i was showing and i had i had uh uh i'd been i, I had a client that that bought a a really big time horse. It was my first opportunity for a, a big time maturity horse, and um, and he was a cool horse, and it was really neat. And you know, it was me just learning how to stay out of its way and mm -hmm. everything else. But I realized I needed to get some mental coaching along with it, right? And I got a guy that he was he was um, it was funny because he was a, he was a sports psychologist. What? Can we take one minute? Yeah, yeah, you need please. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I I had gotten uh I got a client that had bought a, a pretty nice horse for me to go and, and run big with, right? And I started moving up and gotten into some bigger shows. This one was like this was at the Futurity. This was mm -hmm. the big one big show, right? And this sports psychologist was really kind of helping me out with it. But um and I didn't realize I was, I was my first foray into this psychology of you know competition, right? And um, and I didn't you know he had he was a, a psychiatrist. That was his you know he was a doctor of you know the head, and um, and so he gave me some of these different deals to work on, right? And so one of the deals was he was saying you know like you get to a certain part you need to run a pattern through and get to this part where if you get to a part where you start to go off on this bad road of you know like you start heading off a path. The whole concept was, so the cattle walk the same path back and forth. They, they burrow a trail, right? Sure. And the more they do it, the deeper it gets, right? Well, that's the path of least resistance. And your brain works the same way. So your uh, your neural paths in your mm -hmm. brain work the same way. The more you do it, the more you do it that way, the more efficient you are. But if it's a bad path, right? It's kind of like addiction or anything else, right? It's a bad path. It's a deeper and deeper path. So the only way that you're going to go, and if this is where you need to go, Instead of here, you're going down this path. So you're running down that one and you're trying to go here. Anytime that you start to divert and go over, what you, what you want to do is that, you know, oh, that gummit, or you like to try to find your way back or whatever else. Well, you've already diverted off of here. You're not going to get it back. And all you're going to do is make the groove keep aiming the other way, right? Mm -hmm. So if you thought of it as that, that path, when you were heading off this direction and you start to get a bad thought, his deal was stop. Imagine something visually, just go stop and start right back over, right? So every time you're just digging a deeper and deeper path, deeper path to the new destination, right? Yeah. And you never address going back that way. So that was the whole thing. Stop. Deal. Yeah, start just over. stop and then start right back over, right? So that you didn't, you're not teaching yourself any of the bad things that you've been doing. Yeah. And when I do it with my non-pros, right, I get mm. them to visualize it. They don't, I tell them, don't ever ride your horse. When you're, visual, when you're visually running through it, do not ride your horse. Ride a unicorn. Ride the best horse ever, the perfect horse. So you stop thinking about, well, he's going to lean, and or he's 
He's going to do that. He does this and he starts to get ahead. I mean, I got to get, you know, like, oh, no, that's, that's a bad pass, right? As soon as that, he's going to shut it down. It's hard. Yeah, it is, it's right? It's hard to stay out of that, though. I know. Right? Really, I mean, well, it's easy to step out. <laughs> so this track. is where it really got me, right? So I'm, okay, okay. And, and he says, but just use something visually, like a 10-foot stop sure. sign, right? And I'm like, ah, tip stop. You know what? I'm going to use like a eight foot gorilla fist. I'm going to punch it out of there, right? So I had this imaginary big gorilla fist, you know, that was punching it out. The night before, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm trying to think about it, right? So the whole idea was to run that run till you got a perfect run and then you go to bed, right? <laughs> and I finally got it and I was really stressing out really, really bad. I dreamt all night long. That, that damn gorilla was trying to rape me. He was on my <laughs> I mean, it tore me up. I mean, I got up the next morning. I called him up. I was like, it's an emergency, man. I got to talk. I'm going to let He's like, just, you need to just like go into a room and just let it all out, man. And then come back. It's like, you're messed up. <laughs> you, you, you've checked out on us. I figured a way to screw myself out of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you went rogue. Oh, I did. Like I just like my mind took over at night and just screwed myself on it. Uh -huh. But it was it was that that was cool to me though to realize how to do that new path right because where you get to where you start talking to yourself about hearing somebody's in the stands laughing. Oh my God, they're laughing at me or oh you know this or that. Any of those times you start to do that, it's like instead of trying to find your way back, I'll just stop and start right back over. I'm going to try that. It's really, it you know, really cool. it's easy. And I, I'm sure there's more people I don't ever really sit down and talk to. You know, your upper guys about their mental game. I'll and, ask them some questions just on the TV show or whatever, trying to see where they're at. Right. And, mm. and I have never talked to one of them that didn't say, yeah, I get nervous. You know, yeah. I get nervous. You should. And then it's been, I don't know, four or three years ago, something like that. I was doing a deal for a TV show when they was uh, uh, televising the, the World Series there in, in Vegas. Mm. Well, this guy backs in there to win, I think, 165000 Wow. Okay. He's a number four, four, four plus, I think. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm asking him, you know, how did you feel? Was you nervous backing in there? No, not at all. I looked at him. I said, you lying sucker. You should <laughs> tell me that a four plus ain't nervous for 150,000. <laughs> because, you know, you're talking about the very best guys in the world. And they're still, I mean. Sweating bullets. Yeah. yeah. You know, probably the, the, the most mental tough person I've ever seen is Cleo Brian Cooper. The most even, and there's something to be said for that. He doesn't have peaks and valleys. Mm. You don't know if he just missed for a hundred thousand or he just caught one for a hundred thousand. Yeah. He's the same person. That's where he stays at. Huh. He doesn't he doesn't leave that that realm right there and it helps him, you know. But even I guess it was not the, the last year they had the George Strait, but I think it was the year before when him and uh, Aaron Sinjani won it. Well, they're fixing to come back in the top two teams. And so I've, I talked to him a lot about that. I said, you know, what were you thinking? He goes, you know, and he's the one that kind of taught me. He says, you know what, just just stay, try to keep your mind on that steer you're going to rope. Mm. Nothing else matters. Any other thought that comes in your head is only going to hurt you. It's not going to help you. Yeah. Mm. So I asked him about that. I said, he goes, well, I'll tell you the truth. He says, it's hard not to look at them trucks and trailers right there in 100,000. You know, yeah. even me, I'm sitting there going, you know, I just had to look. It's like, 
And so those thoughts are coming. I'm like, no, I'm not going to look. I want to go away from it, you know, and it made a lot of sense to me. And he just come in there and roped him as good as he could and just rode out of the arena like, well, there you no go. big deal. And if he'd have missed, I'd he'd have rode out of the arena the same way. Now, if I'd have missed, I'd be out there trying to hang myself from the rafter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> throwing my hat down, <laughs> exactly. I'd kicking have total my saddle. Meltdown. Not him. Yeah. Man. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, how the great, how how people who are great at what they do can just handle mm -hmm. things mentally. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and they don't seem to have those peaks. And I mean, they, I'm sure they do, but they just handle they do. it. They, yeah. they do. They're professionals. Yeah. They do. But but he handled it probably better than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. Trevor Brazil the same way. I mean. And Patrick Smith to tell you that he told me the story about, you know, they was rodeoing and wasn't doing good. And Pat, they went, I think they was in Washington. Patrick missed, or uh, yeah, Patrick missed. And he, he said, I'm moping. He says, I threw my saddle in. I was mad. And he says, 45 minutes later, I'm still pouting and just upset. He says, we were sought in the store to get something deep. We was leaving town. He says, I'm standing there in line. And Trevor grabbed one of them big, those slim gyms are about two feet long. Mm. He said, I'm standing there. He just reared back and just whop, just drug it off my butt. <laughs> he goes, you can't be mad no more. You get five minutes and that's it. Yeah. We've got to go to the next one. Yeah. Get out of there, you know, because yeah. it's not going to do you any good. Yeah. No, and the longer you're there, the worse it gets. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're in a place you don't need to be. Yeah. And that, yeah. man, it's, it's such a common theme with people that are good at it. They can, they feel it. They give themselves five minutes and they're out. You know, yeah. like I, I, there's this one, I might have been telling Todd, but there was this one fighter back in Australia who was really good. And he, but he, it was like there was a glitch in the, in the system there where he uh -huh. never knew if he was losing. So you can watch this guy in a, it was a kick, in a kickboxing fight. He was a 12 round fight and he'd lost 10 rounds just, he'd been like beaten from pillar to post and then came out in like the last, one of the last two rounds and knocked the guy out. And, and, and I remember someone asked him, like, how did you do, like, what, what were you thinking like when things were going bad and he's like they weren't going bad in my head like I'm, i was winning that whole fight <laughs> and, and that's like man it's kind of a gift and part of it's going to be tricking yourself like you can't get in your own head and think um oh, you know like this all these these better guys are going ahead of me what if this what if that no you got to worry about what you're doing and, yeah. and if you can't if you can't push it out of your head then just believe that you're gonna win, you know. Believe it's going good. Yeah, yeah. I might try that. And I and I've heard a good good analogy about like uh, someone puts like a a long like piece of timber down on the ground and tells you to walk along it like a tightrope. You you could do it like that. You just walk along it without even thinking twice about it. You just put one foot in front of the other, walk along it. And then if they put it fifty feet in the air and say walk across it. You're going to balk and you're going to overthink it and you're going to start to walk out and now worry about falling and you're, sure. then you're probably going to fall. Yeah. But it's the exact same act as what you did on the ground. So, and that, and so it's same as roping or fighting or whatever on, a, on the big stage is like the, the act doesn't change. The environment changes and yeah. you've got to find a way to remind yourself that the act is the same. Roping at the biggest roping in the world is the same as roping in your backyard. Yeah, you just have to do the act the same and don't worry about everything around yeah. you, you know? So, oh. yeah. That's what slips in on you. Everything yeah. going on around you. That's it. Hey, yeah. I'm worrying about. And, 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 you know, like, I always, I mean, I talk to everyone when I go somewhere except when I'm roping. Yeah. I just prefer to kind of stay off by myself. I mean, I still talk. It's not like I'm going to be that big of a butt, but mm. but I would prefer. It's just easier for me 
I kind of like to just stay where I want to be, you know, and, and, and a lot of them guys are like that. And I know some people perceive that as being, you know, kind of arrogant or stuck up, but that's not the case. It's just when you t- comes time to compete. Kind of job, man. Yeah. It's like, I gotta be thinking, it's like, I got a deal I'm working on here. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with what we're going to have for dinner tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't and I do not care about the weather. I don't care about anything at that point, but just yeah. And that that and that's comes back to like so many as guys getting into say roping, they're going to like their buddy's backyard, and it is really social. And then when they're trying to step it up to another level, and they get somewhere, and they maybe don't do that. So so that again, that's different. So they're used to like roping, chatting, like having fun, and then suddenly they're somewhere and. It feels different. You see them tighten up. You see them tighten up. Yeah. You know, and I, I used to do that when I was training for. I would always be in the gym for having fun and joking around, and then if I had a fight coming up and I had to spar, we'd be in there and the bell would ring, and it was I was a different guy. Mm-hmm. And the guys I was sparring would freak out and go like, "Are you are you angry at me? Did I like did I did I say something weird or like uh, nah, I'd just train yeah. like I was at the real sure. thing for month for like twelve weeks before a fight. Every round would be like it and that bite. yeah and i don't know if that would work with say roping but like uh instead of just being social so if you if their plan is to kind of you know shut everything out and at, at the roping well maybe when they're at the practice arena to a degree they've got to sort of get that in their head too instead of being super social and the first time they try to not take notice of stuff is at the arena that'll feel real different to yeah. them you know and it'll freak them out so well it's way different practice and then you go somewhere and, yeah. and you can sit there and watch it you know that you see people get tight yeah. and I don't blame them. I mean, it's just, but it's, it's, it's the way you prepare and you said it right there. You know, it's the way you practice. If you sit there, joke and have fun, and, well, you know what? You should go to the rope and do the same thing. Yeah. Cause that's how you've been practicing. Exactly. I would take, I would take intentionally take like the, some of the youth kids and, um, and even though they weren't performing at the level or they didn't have a horse at the level to go to some of the big, you know, championship type shows and they, you know, they placed at the bottom and stuff like that. And they, you know, they, they didn't, they, anyway, I'm sure they thought they didn't have a chance or whatever else, but I'd take them to those big shows and go like, look, your job this year is to come in here, see the lights freak out so that next year you come back home and the little shows are nothing. Yeah. And you come back here and it's not your first trip. Right. Let's go get your first trip out of the way. You can freak out and worry about it right. whenever you, but right. you worry about it when you, and ain't nobody paying attention to you. Ain't mm-hmm. no, and nothing else is going on. Let's go get that one out of the way. Let's go have fun, go over there and we'll get some eat good to eat afterwards or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, have the trip and it's not your first trip and you're in the lights and everything else when you're yeah. trying to get something done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to get them out there the first time without it. Yeah. It's, get the pressure out of the way. That's cool. You yeah, you have to experience it. That's the thing is you got to go through it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I don't care literally not to have some kind of apprehension or get nervous to some degree. I just, yeah. but then you can see people that, you know, they're so nervous. They seem nothing. It was yeah. a total whiteout. When they nod their head, yeah. well, they, they couldn't tell you their name. You know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah. I've been there. Yeah, I, I know that feeling like, Oh, what is my name? Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, I like that tip you gave earlier about the running, you know, when you've got six six head left, just pick this next one's your last one. Yeah. It like, freaks them out. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I know with my training, I uh, I always do that. I go, all right, I'm not going to stop until I get it right. But then 
the, sometimes you're there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you, yeah, the pressure would be on if you don't yeah. give yourself that liberty to do yeah. that. You know, and none, like of, it, none of it helps you. Yeah, no, none yeah. of those thoughts help you. Yeah. And why they get in your head, somebody needs to explain it to me because I've never been able to just expel all of those thoughts as bad as I yeah, want it's, to. It's hard. I just can't. Yeah. So you try to maintain them. You know what I mean? If it's a real bad one, uh, get away. I don't want to talk to you right now. Mm. Ah. Yeah. It's like in jujitsu practice when you're, when you, it's like, okay, one more round. Yeah. Last round. This is the last round. Then then that, that then, then, then the one more round. Yeah, it's one friend. more round. You're like, damn, that means four more rounds. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> that old trick, the Brazilian trick. Yeah. yeah. My coach back home, Bruno Lemos, if you're listening, uh, if he says one more round, you probably got six. <laughs> Those tricks only last a long time. Yeah. Like, they all right. No, no, I got at least four. Guess, then you got to guess. Yeah, is it? Is it really? Yeah, is it, right. Is it, is it two more or five what more? Is it? Yeah, <laughs> man. Who, who knows? Who knows? No, that's cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's good though. And you can tell the ones that are like going to competition too. Like they'll light, load them up. Like, let's go. It's last round. Mm -hmm. One minute left, and you look up at the clock, and there's like three. Yeah. Yeah. He's like one to. Oh, 10 seconds yeah oh man like, ah, and then you're like i don't have anything left <laughs> you know i have a lot of students that and a lot of them you know probably relatively in this the same number you know they're wrote pretty much similar yep but certain mm -hmm. ones win mm -hmm. and so that tells me the ones that are winning when they all wrote alike yeah they're a little tougher up here yeah you know? they're not letting so much get in there you can just see that they still go rope at the rope and like they practice them yeah the ones that don't you know and it, it's just because all of a sudden that that pressure you know it's they're not dealing with it well mm -hmm. yep. you know what do you do that that unlocks that and some i you know it's just doing it again and again and, and like todd said earlier identifying it yeah yeah you gotta identify you can't it. you gotta you know when something bad slipping in there on you and start <laughs> trying to get rid of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah there's a lot to it i guess Ah, it really is. Yeah. It's cool, though. I remember um, <laughs> the one where I had to get it out of my head was um, I had a run in, at the NRHA Derby. And um, and I went to run this horse, big, fast circles. And about halfway through his first big, fast circle, you could start to hear his feet clicking together. And his back foot was kicking the bottom of his front foot mm -hmm. and it's not good <laughs> it's kind of hard to hide that isn't it yeah and it's getting bad and it's getting bad it was bad enough my wife looked away and didn't watch the monitor anymore uh -huh. and that thing came through the center and his feet went out from underneath him and we hit the ground and slid through the center of the pen in oklahoma city and um i i pulled his head inside to keep him down because we were on the ground he was on top of my leg and I pulled him his head inside to keep him down until I could make sure that my, you know, I wasn't going to get tangled up, whatever. And I let him up. And when he let him up, I kept the rein that was close to me. He got up and he stepped on the rein, busted the rein, and then took a victory lap with his tail and his head <laughs> up in the air all the way around. And I'm walking through the arena going, gosh, he's going to kill him when I catch him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so bad, a buddy of mine had to jump out of the stands and come get him <laughs> to pick him up because he's just running around with his, you know, head up in the air and his tail up in the air and everything else and um and i come walking out and and um 
And I, I'll never forget it because it was that kind of deal. Like, oh my God, the most embarrassing thing that could ever happen, right? You're off. You fell off. Yeah, you fell <laughs> they off. They remember that, Yeah, Bob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, in worst part about it, they took a picture of it too. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like yeah, in the middle of dirt flying and everything yeah. else. Yeah, they got a really cool picture of it. And um, I'm walking out and Craig Johnson goes, um, was there a hole in the middle? Like all he was worried about is himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was worried about like what happened to me or anything like that, or how embarrassing that was, or yeah. anything like that. Like, oh man, it's really hard. It's sorry to hear that happened. He was like, he was worried about himself. Was there a hole? Yeah. Is that a problem? Like, am I gonna have a problem with two? Like, no, the only hole that was there is the one yeah, I left you my hit? body hit the ground. Yeah. Uh, but things like that can be like you know, for some people that are, that's game over forever, yeah. you know, because that become now before every run, they replay that, but yeah. Yeah, that can be liberating. Cause you're like, well, can't get much yeah. worse. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> tell you something about that about three years ago. Um, well, I just came off a of neck surgery. I, th this came from an old injury. What happened about 10 years ago, I got pulled off my horse and got annihilated shoulder and neck and everything. Well, I had to get a neck surgery. So I just got over the neck surgery. I'd just been roping for two or not even probably about 10 days. And I went and did a school in California and I tried a horse for a friend of mine. Of all things, it was an Appaloosa. Never been uh. on <laughs> the fifth run. And he was a good horse, like really good. I didn't know the ground was bad. The horse did, but I didn't. And he really wasn't wanting to turn in. And I'm like, I told this guy, I said, let this one out. I want to get some speed built up. Well, that was smart. Well, we're flying down through there and, and the steer starts turning that horse. Went, you know, I said, get in here. Well, he wasn't wanting to because he knew the ground was bad. Well, when I told him to, he did. And all fours just went flying out from underneath him, fell on me, broke my ankle, dislocated my ankles. But it happened so fast. I just came off of that one surgery, right? It took me. This is the true story. So last week I was roping and I had a horse stumble with me. That's the first time I haven't freaked out in three years. Yeah. My mind remembered that so bad. Yeah. yeah. That it, and there would be times like my horse would stumble. We video a lot. And I was like, I just got tight, like, oh, we're going down. Yeah. You watch the video and I didn't even see him stumble. That's how bad that stuff yeah. can get in your head. And it took oh, me yeah. and the other day, my horse stumbled pretty bad and I went ahead and threw it. It never even affected me but it took me three years to get over that. it's hard to do that right yeah. i mean to get where when they go to stumble or they go to and you're not like trying to pull that up or yeah. grab it really quick but that you could just stay with it oh exactly That's, and it took me that long because uh -huh. it made so your brain remembers. Oh yeah, that. yeah, it's hard, hey. Mm -hmm. And it, and that's a, it. Goes back to you saying you don't watch other guys at things because I know. And there was this Anderson Silver a few years ago. This probably at the time the world's best fighter kicked the guy's leg and his leg snapped oh, in half. God, that was terrible. Both bones in the leg just snapped and wrapped around this guy's leg like a wet noodle. It just was, and uh, it, I didn't kick. I wasn't even, obviously it wasn't me. I didn't throw a kick for about a year. Because <laughs> I, I was worried about it. So it's oh, like, God, that was a terrible break, man. Yeah. That was horrible. Oh, was horrible. And when he stepped was... back to step on yeah, it. Yeah, he tried to put his leg down. How did we get to like... talking about this? Yeah, man. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. We just put it back in your head. Sorry. I got three years to get it out. Now we put it back in. Quit for another year. No, no. But, uh, yeah, it goes back to that. I mean, yeah. Ment physically, your body, you're like, heals real fast. But mentally, like, it. It can take a while. Yeah. yeah. That's where yeah. you just got to just send it. Yeah. Just if that, Let I'm like, with it. things like that, when I, when I get a bit worried about any, anything like that, and maybe it's not, it, it's that mentality you have when you're young and you don't know any better. And, and it's just like, 
if you're if you if you're a little bit in, you're all the way in. Mm-hmm. Like you're not you're not I don't know you can't have a toe in the door. Yeah. With sport, with any sport, that's like got some pretty serious consequences. So if you're gonna do it, you better just send it. You can't you gotta go if, all if you're gonna all in. yeah if you're gonna run hard, mm-hmm. you can't be worrying about falling or something like that. You, oh. you know, I think that's where like that's where there's a separation between natural God-given talent, you know, and the hard work ethic and stepping from that being in the top level to that top 10 mm-hmm. in that level, you know? Yeah. There's always the, and there, it seems like there's like a, a change. The top 100, they're all right there in the middle of it, right? And then the ones that are like, have got that mental strong and just boom and got it, that's that top, you know, Three, five, I, I, ten, my, my belief is those guys have learned how to lose too. Yes. That's the hardest thing to do. You know, when everything's good, mm-hmm. well, it's great. You know, you're yeah, winning, you're catching, you're, you're fighting, you're winning, whatever you're doing, you're raining, you're winning, you're on a roll. You, you, you just, you just go with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I, you know what I mean? But yeah. when, once it goes the other way, yeah. you got to be able to figure out how to handle that because yeah. it's not all going to be good. Okay. You're going to have, down spots and you got to figure out how to get through those once you can work your way through those and not let it be affect your roping or your whatever sport it is in yeah. a bad way you know that then you come out on the other end a lot sooner yeah you know we were talking to um <clears throat> to bj duggar mm-hmm. <clears throat> the other day about um about that and and how um that what was that Shit, I forgot what I was gonna say. I'm getting old, man. <laughs> what I, I get on the train. Uh, well, we were talking about the uh, getting it back, like not thinking about the the loss, but you know, getting back from you know the cheat. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. You know, when when it comes to a horse, like you know what you want in a horse, and we were talking about that the other day. It's like, do you want a horse that does this or does that? And, you know, one and you know, a lot of them are, are you know the good athletes are the good athletes. They're all gonna be, but there's that mind of the one that's like the dumb jock that doesn't know he's under. He doesn't know the difference between practice and competition. And he's just like, okay, let's do it again. Yeah. You know, just that kind of attitude in that horse too, right? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you got to see that in the athlete that he still enjoys it so much. And he's not worried about anything else. He's like, can I do this again today? Yeah. You know, yeah. fine. I think, you know, when you see that in the young, when they're pushing up and you're getting to that. Sure. And, and, and you know, you almost have to like getting to where you find that again. That's where the Wayne kind of comes in when you're trying to prove or you got, you know, everything counts on it or whatever else. Instead of just going like, um, like I remember, I just like doing this. Yeah, you know I that that, like that was a trick that that I've used. That's helped me like a lot more than anything. Is sometimes, like I said, I, I mean, I just get nervous, and sometimes we talk about them thoughts start creeping in. You know, like if this happens, you know, you, you just kind of get out of what you really should be focused on. And I've actually done this where. I'll just take a deep breath and say, you know what? There's no place in the world I'd rather be than right here, right now. Yeah, this is what yeah. I've been practicing for. This is where I want to be instead yeah. of going like, oh, I'm a little bit tight. Where you know, no, I want to be here. Yeah. And it kind of it kind of frees things up a little yeah. bit in your mind if you have a complicated oh, mind. God. You know what I mean? That yeah. an overthinker. Yeah. You just got to say, hey, this is where I want to be. I'm yeah. happy to be right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good point. Perspective is like huge. Oh yeah. Like me, I like I always think. Was it that told that to me? <clears throat> I think it was Del Hendricks. Um, 
I, he was, he was essentially, you know, as a trainer, one of my mentors that I, I thought a lot of, right. As far as his abilities as a trainer and stuff. And, um, and I learned so much about being a horseman from him. Um, but one of the things I was, oh, you know, I've just eaten that up about, you know, that was a difficult time. I had the horses and I knew I wanted to do it. Right. And it was just like, oh my God, I got the opportunity. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I, I think I was voicing that with him at one show. And you, you said the key right there. Don't screw it up. Yeah, well, exactly. Right. That's all you hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny, but your brain doesn't hear don't. Uh-huh. Right? It only hears screw it up, screw yeah, it up. Yeah, oh, you're right. right. When you're saying don't, don't miss, well, guess what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and I remember going like, damn, you know, God, just thinking about, you know, I got to pull this off. And he was like, dude, there's like kids over down the road in Houston that are at the medical center that have got cancer that would give their right arm to be where you're at. Like, yeah. what are you complaining about? Yeah. And I thought, oh. That is a different way to look at it, right? Yeah, Yeah, it's like, oh my God, like, man, you ought to like go out here and act like you got some grace in what you're doing. You know, you're thankful for where you're at. Like, let's roll with this. Yeah, and if you can put yourself in that spot mentally, (laughs) I guarantee you're going to perform better. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It it takes a lot of that pressure away. And like we said, pressure is going to bust pipes or make diamonds. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, hey. That's it. I found with me when when I was fighting, like, because when you're younger and you, you're trying to get all these tips off people, like mentally too, and take it all in, and you, you know, I, I used to be like, well, don't think, you know, I can, you can't think that you can lose and whatever. And I was like, nah, that's stupid. Like, as I got more experience, I was like, of course you can lose, you know, but like that guy better bring it, you know, <laughs> like he might, maybe they're going to beat me, but man, I'm going to make them look like they lost. Yeah. And that's like how I go into it. Like any, any competition, you could put me on a horse out here and man, chances of me catching is, not high but, but in my head man i'm gonna be I'm all do good. in my head i'm like yeah i got this yeah i'm gonna win uh-huh. then like that's half the and it's that's not, a lot of it and it's not like a fake you know like oh like i'm just gonna tell myself it's like well he he might beat me today but he i'm gonna make him work for it like mm-hmm. in whatever whatever i'm doing you know and it's funny like you could if you have that mentality even when you start then your skills catch up and you've got the hard parts, the mentality, you know, whereas some, that's a good point. Some, some people, they start their skill work and their skills get better. And then suddenly the pressure's on them because they're like, well, I've caught like Brett showing me how to rope. I can, I know I can catch in the backyard. Now I'm at a roping. Like what what if I miss? Like what will Brett think of me? Whereas like, man, you've got to start that day one. First time, the first time you're roping a dummy, you're like, yeah, I got this. Like, of course I'm going to get it. You know, you know, and that's funny because, like, a lot of the the video work, the TV shows, and stuff I do, you know, most of it's been with your top ropers, and they miss. Yeah, we all miss. Yeah, right. And I'll ask them, say, "Hey, do you mind if I put that on there?" They go, "No, I don't care. Put it on there. We miss." Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. Now you put lesser ropers on there, they don't want you to put any misses on there. I'm like, okay. (laughs) The best in the world just said we can put his miss on there, but we can't put yours on there. Think about, you know, I mean, that's a difference. Makes them kind of look at at themselves. Yeah. 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 If you think you're going to do this and not miss, or like raining, you know, fall off, those kind of (laughs) things. Yeah, Yeah. like most rainers (laughs) fall off. Yeah. 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 That's cool. It's just, it's just, it's just another sport, another way to look at it, but the, the difference like in 
really in what I do in the team roping, you've got two horses, a steer, and two people. Mm. Now, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of things that can go on there. A lot of crap yeah. go wrong. There is, you know, so, and it is. It is, you know, things just don't work out perfect every time. But if you learn how to accept those and work your way around, you know what I mean? Just make right decisions. And, mm. you know, that's the difference in, to me in, in what I do is we're so susceptible to everything around us. Mm. We're on the same team, but yeah. trying to make all that you know, come together and because the, the steer's not going to think like you want him to. Yeah. No. You know, that's, I think that's the, I think that is the big challenge of, um, of being in, in being a coach, right. Versus being the competitor, you know, and, and in, it's almost inevitable. Every time that you're, if, if it's in horses, you know, you are both, right. I mean, you can't be a coach and not be a competitor. No, you, you got to be in there and doing it. And you have to have experienced that. I could have all the knowledge of teaching sure. somebody how to perfect swing and whatever else. But if I don't understand and know and address the the mental, you know, part of the game, sure. like it's all going to go downhill at some point. And, um, and it's an odd deal in the horse industry where you do have to be a jack of all trades, mm-hmm. you know, in order to run that, that kind of deal mm. is, um, you got to know that. And you can't act like it doesn't happen. No, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to admit it. And yeah. it's going to happen more than once. <laughs> yeah. Just get ready. Yeah, and you know, like, it's it's funny that people don't even acknowledge the fact that, that a, a really high-level batter in baseball has an average of, you know, three 30. out of ten times. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Three times. Ball, you think about it. Yeah. 70% of the time, they're missing. That is that is the hardest thing there is in sports, in my opinion. Regard, I don't care what anybody says is hitting a baseball. Yeah. You think of baseball coming at you at 100 miles an hour, the very best in the world hit it 330 times out of 1,000. Crazy. Man, that's crazy. Now, if I caught 300 steers out of 1,000, <laughs> I would... Better yeah. have a day job. I would drown myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, the, you know, that's how hard it is yeah. for them to do that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. Yeah, that is wild. Yeah, that's why he's never a batter. I can hear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dugger said that when he was in in high school, he or was it high school. Or, yeah, high school. High school I think. Yeah, when he was playing baseball in high school, he was batting a six something. Yeah, apparently. And he's like all all state uh, designated hitter. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Hand eye coordination. Yeah. yeah. Right? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He might have should have tried. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder why I didn't play baseball or golf that's, or something. Pains like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he said, he no, said I'll that. pay my way. Yeah. Yeah. He said that. He was like, yeah, in hindsight, you know. Yeah. It's like my my parents tried to get me to do like tennis when I was a kid and, and golf. Like that was like my mom's like, I wish you'd got into tennis or golf, you know, like when I was young and I was like cage fighting. You know, like why was that? In my head, that was a good decision, but now, <laughs> so now I'm, a, I'm a bit older, like, I, and I see the income of some golfers and tennis players. Yeah, I go, damn. damn, yeah. You know, but what people don't, you know, and I don't. Tennis isn't really my sport, but I love golf. To watch a golfer, a professional golfer, grind mm, yeah. over every shot for four days mm. is amazing because you know one bad shot can mean a difference in winning first and 
twelve. I mean, it can be yeah. $500,000 or a million dollars, you know. One yeah. shot over a four-day period. Yeah. Right? One shot. And in between all the talking and all the other and, you know, the man, oh. and the interviews by the stupid commentator that doesn't know anything about, <laughs> you know, pressure or anything. I'd be asking my caddy, hey, it's time for a beer. We got to do something. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's, that's one thing that I can't wait to talk to, to Jimmy about is like the the what is the qualities of a good caddy? Like, what is their role in the whole thing? Like, that's kind of The caddy's huge. Because the golfer has to have one... You gotta have... Be just like your good head horse. You have to have 100%. You gotta be sold on that horse. Yeah. That he's gonna perform. And if they trust their caddy like that... Right. You know, and they'll go back and forth, but the but caddy knows his guy, you know, and he's in the confidence. Too, it gives him right? that confidence. Yeah. This is the club you should hit right and here. And what kind of confidence, how do you give him? Like, cause I think that's something else too, as a coach, like some people need that push yeah, and some do. people. So your caddy, you know, when you're getting your caddy, is that caddy the one that, you know, is the guy that pushes you and, yeah. and he, he's, he's got to be a little bit of a, a psychiatrist yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. I bit, cause those golfers, you know, they're, they're <clears throat> always right on the edge. Because you, they're having to grind, you know what I mean? If you get right. down there, they got to be able to figure out how to control them, just like you would your horse or yourself in a fight or whatever. Yeah. They they have to know. Yeah. Man, that's a, that'll be interesting like that because that's such an unseen part. I think I'm pretty sure, I'm, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the highest earning, the highest, yeah, earning like athlete in from New Zealand ever is actually a cat, a golf caddy. He does, really? yeah, and he—I forget who he is the caddy for, but this guy is apparently the the best, mm -hmm. you know, and and just knows how to get people in that zone. Yeah, I think it might have been—I don't know if it was Tiger Woods or whatever his caddy, but anyway, it's uh, but yeah, he wasn't even famous for the sport. He's the caddy, but he's just that good that he's made so much money off being it. But you're right; it's such a—it's a strange sport because it's like more mental than it is, yeah. you know, like. Something like fighting or roping, it's so fast that you your feel and reflexes have to be there. Yeah. You don't have time to think, you're reacting. Whereas golf, you've got a huge amount of time to think about adjusting. They hit the shot 10 times before they ever hit it. Yeah. And they that, get to think about it. You know what yeah. I mean? And that was always what was amazing to me is when I started playing golf, the only reason I started playing, I always thought it was the dumbest sport ever. <laughs> and they talked me into playing golf yeah. at, a, at a rodeo. <laughs> And I have never been that frustrated in my life. Because I thought, I can rope. I can rope with both hands. I can heal the steer left-handed, right-handed. Doesn't yeah. matter. Wherever he's going, I can rope him. Moving, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. That damn ball wasn't moving. <laughs> and I couldn't make it move. Yeah. Finally, I think I played the last four holes with my putter. Yeah. I was putting it down the fairway. And it drove me nuts to the fact, like, how can I not make this ball move? Yeah. Well, you know, you think about it, golfing is different than other sports to me is it brings in basically every joint in your body. Yeah. Has to be perfectly connected right at the bottom at contact every time. If it's not, it's going to go right, left, somewhere. Well, if you think about it too, golf is like there's a big difference between golf and roping is that in roping, yes, you're working you're working with something that's not an inanimate object that actually moves. So everything you do is is much more reaction than an action. That's, you're and exactly golf right. is all action. It's yeah. no reaction. Nothing yeah. everything everything moves the exact same way yeah. if you hit it the exact same time. Yeah. So where you've been like you can go right and roll with the flow with the kind of deal and you can let it free and go. Yeah. You can't do that in golf. Yeah. 
Like, it's, nothing's moving. That's what I always thought. I wish somebody would make that ball move. I'd probably have a better chance of hitting it. I think part of that is also like the mental pressure. Like where, where something's, say like roping, it's fast and you're reactive. You can't think, you can't overthink it. You're just like, well, let's just run it and we'll see and I'll catch it. Whereas yeah. with golf, you can overdo it because you're like, the ball's just sitting there. I got to hit it the same as I did yeah. last time, and then you start getting in your own head that you yeah. might not. Damn it! It was all my fault. Can't yeah, blame it on the ball. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah not, exactly. might not. It probably not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a damn caddy. He's the only one I can blame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna blame my caddy. Man, wow. Hold on, I don't have a caddy. Quit <laughs> me. I've, that's made me think a lot more about golf. Man. I've only ever played at Top Golf, and I nearly killed the person beside. Oh my god, it's <laughs> terrible, isn't it? I defied the laws of physics by trying to hit a ball. Forwards and it went sideways, back or basically backwards. Back forty-five. Yeah. I don't know how I did it. Who hit that ball? Yeah, yeah, it was a disaster. Max, yeah, not good. Now I know where to take you next. Top golf, <laughs> you know, top golf. Here we come. Any place I can take you, where I can beat you. Like, oh, dude. Dude. <laughs> if it has, is it, if it's a golf, yeah, you're you're gonna win. Uh, well, cool, man. I've enjoyed that. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, you bet. Really That's kind of fun, huh? Yeah. yeah. That's and that's what you know. Just I think these kind of conversations are what you know, are the kind of conversations that a beginner or somebody that's trying to develop their game or get into it, they don't have the privy of this conversation. Sure. They have so much more they have to learn in order to get to that part. But by the time they get to that part, you know, and get into that, they're so far, you know, into the game yeah. that this is just something that they only can't even consider, right? Right. And, um, and, and I, I know I would have, it would have been, you know, kind of cool to have addressed it earlier or whatever else, but it's a, it's a fascinating part of, and it's not even just that it's in sports, right? It's in public speaking, sure. it's oh, in wow. business and being able to, you know, go in front of a board. I mean, like all of those things. And that's why I think <clears throat> why you're going to see somebody in business look at a resume from somebody that's played a division as a division one athlete. Yeah. Right. It's like pressure. And the commitment to sure. the the task at hand mm -hmm. is they've they've been there right, and they know what they're stepping into and what they're committing to when they do it. When somebody hasn't done any of that, whew, man, mm -hmm. there's a lot of training goes into that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, get, that that's the hardest part to me is to get to that point right there. Yeah. And it's hard, it really you is. know. And, and it's if I was to give advice, yeah, that's to, a good. If I was to give advice, it, what I see all the time is is too many people thinking about too many things. They try to think about too much in one run. Where if you just have one thought in your mind, you got to, you know, and that's kind of a personal thing to me, something that, that kind of turns everything loose, a trigger. But you, if, if you have something that sets everything up, if you just go with that one thought and let everything feed off of that. Mm -hmm. Don't back in there thinking, okay, I'm going to seam this far, then I'm going to bring my swing up right here, and then I'm going to see my throw. And then, you know what I mean? Mm. You cannot do crap. that. But you can think <laughs> of one thing. Our brain, this is true. You can only think. We are only capable of thinking of one thing at a time. You can't have two thoughts at the same mm -hmm. time. You yeah. can only have one. No. So if you get one thought, and that's where your mind stays, well, it's easy to perform off of that. Mm -hmm. But if you have this laundry list of stuff you're going to work through your brain has to go bam 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 it yeah. never it never lets you see what's mm -hmm. going on no i always tell my clients that that you um 
I, because I am 100% male, <clears throat> and cannot multitask. Now, everybody that says that they can multitask may do two or three things at one time, but if you're doing two things at one time, you're doing 50% to each one of those. Yeah. And you're not doing, you're, so you're half-assing it. Yeah. You know, and multitasking just means you're half-assed. And when you're scatterbrained. Yeah, exactly. Hello, and it doesn't me. work for me. And I know that. Yeah. And my horse doesn't work sure. where they can multitask. So if I'm trying to get them to do, I have to teach them one thing at a time. I have to know what my end product is, mm -hmm. but I can't concentrate on my end product. I have to work on where we're at. Where you're right? at right there. Yeah. And I think one of the best things for someone to understand, like when they first come in, is just that you need to be clay. You need to be the clay and yeah. not the potter. Yeah. Like you have to have a coach that knows. I think that's the biggest thing about having a coach is one that knows and has been sure. there. Yeah. And that's those are some of the best coaches, right? Mm -hmm. But if they've known they've been there, then you have to trust in who it is that's your coach. If it ain't working, go fire the coach and go to another one. But man, if it's because you're not working, you're not letting them work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the biggest, that's the hard part about it. I, I you told me that you had uh one of your co your coach was one that had coached Matt Brown too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, yeah, and yep. it was and he was real selective, like he wasn't going to, but you yeah. had to be, and that's kind of what he was looking for, was that guy that was like, you know, yes, sir, whatever all it is. All in. All yeah. in. Like I don't second guess me. Don't go and sit come back and tell me about how, you know <laughs> I've had I had one that would come and take some lessons from me. And they were the um he would come and he'd get done with the lesson and, and then they would tell me what they were going to do, yeah. you know, and how they were going to do it. And I always said, it's like, man, you know, you can't pay me enough in a lesson to tell me what to do. Like, I don't want that lesson. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't, you know, like you can't pay me enough to do that. So don't come back. Mm. You know, you can pay me for a lesson because I'm going to tell, I'm going to help you out and get you where you need to be. But I don't want a lesson where you're telling me, yeah. like, I don't care. Yeah. That's, that's what people don't get. Is, yeah. And I've seen it a bunch and I, I don't, I'm usually nice about the way I say sure. it, but, but I'm there. They should really only want to know what I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm there to help them. Right. They don't, they need to understand that I really, and I don't mean this in a bad way. But when they keep telling me what they think, well, that's not getting them anywhere. Yeah. They already know what they think. They should be more concerned with what I think. Yeah. That's what's going to advance them. Well, yeah. I think what's it's hard for somebody when they're trying to do the get to somewhere with it, realizing that as a good coach, right, a good coach realizes that hit my success, if I'm your coach, my success is determined by your success. Yeah. So I'm not doing anything that is not going to be to your advantage. Yeah. Let me do it. Yeah. Right? Because Give me a chance. Yeah. Let's you, try it my way. Your <laughs> way's obviously not working. Yeah. It's not working. <laughs> yeah. Right? And tell me about it. Then yeah. you're going to help me waste my time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the advantage in the fight game as opposed to, you know, like with roping or which they can is really quick. They can blame the horse, they can blame the rope, they can blame the steer. Whereas in the fight game, if they want to tell me how they think they should block a punch, like, okay, let's try it. <laughs> if it's not if it's not, you know, what's gonna work really quick. Yeah, you can find out real quick if it's not gonna work. <laughs> Have you ever been knocked out? No. I've been I've I've lost once by TKO, but it wasn't like a knockout, you know. I'm I got a really hard head and uh, <laughs> and that's why, that's actually part of the reason why I was like, I better wind it, you know, look at, you know, like a, a retiring into something that's a bit more, 
less impact on yeah me. because like the problem it wasn't that like i'm gonna retire because i get knocked out it's because i don't you know and yeah. like i could take some crazy hard shots and um those are the kind that get you though in the end well, that, yeah <laughs> the, the scary the thing is what you, if you see the pattern with with guys that are like that they they're just untouchable they can take massive shots for years and then suddenly one get knocks them out and then it's game over it's like a damaged chassis of sure. a car you yeah. know it's like a weak spot they just get touched and they yeah so i kind of i always uh didn't i i always for whatever reason i, I don't know why i said 32 but i said i didn't want to fight professionally past 32 and i think I, I was like 30 maybe when i had my last pro fight and uh so that was earlier than i thought but i just was like man this is i kind of got what I, what i loved about fighting it was never my plan to get into it but it was the mental thing and I was like, man, if I can, if I can get the, if if I can handle that pressure and fight like in front of the world, I can do, I can do whatever. Sure. You know, so that's what sucked me in. And once I learned that I could do that, I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next, next thing in life. Yeah. You know? So it wasn't that I just want to beat people up. I actually just want to be everyone's friend. But yeah, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's just that thing. So yeah, there you go. I think I'm just going to stick to healing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and I'm living it out as the old guy going, oh, oh, I man. think I can still do that. We've got to line you up with a uh, fight to win fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So find some other gray-haired old man going, yeah. go at it. I, I reckon we should get... I know one I'd like to introduce you to. <laughs> come with me. <laughs> Try it out on him. <laughs> Yeah. He needs it actually. Oh yes. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, we probably not say the names. <laughs> oh, yeah. No names on the show. But... <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not until we're gonna call them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's your next match gonna be? <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. Well, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, I sure appreciate, Brett. That was fun. We'll have yep. to do it again. Um, maybe kind of play and play around since me and Brandon and I think somehow we're gonna end up doing just a little bit more with the road one. Yeah. Our next, our, one of our next hobbies or yeah. one of the many hobbies. Yeah, you guys get ready to do it again, man. Work yeah. something else in here. Make yeah. it interesting. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll come out to your place and yeah. play around a little bit or whatever. We got the shoots set up out here. I'll be really easy high saying anything to Brendan just in case. Uh, snap off. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the glitch comes yeah. back. <laughs> and wires crossed. Oh, I don't <laughs> want to fight, Brendan. Uh, rarely happens. Rarely happens. <laughs> So cool. Well, thanks well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I appreciate thanks, it. Brett. Okay. Awesome. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Go Time Podcast with Todd Martin and Brendan O'Reilly. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Go Time Ranch so you can come work with us each day to learn, have fun, and be inspired. For information on bookings and merchandise, please visit www.gotimeranch.com. <laughs>